Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Keller Williams agent. Why are you guys not sending me all your listings in Metro Detroit? Help a brother out. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit, no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done. I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, I need you to help a brother out. First, let me say thank you. The last couple of podcasts, you guys are really starting to deliver. And for those who don't know what's going on, the goals this year for the podcast, we're at about 550 weekly listeners, and we want to get that to 5,000 by the end of the year. And the agreement I made with everybody is if you share it and you subscribe and you rate on iTunes, I will double, repeat double the amount of content I put out last year. And I already got some shit in the works for you guys. So you got to do your part. What does that mean? It means share it all across social media. It means like it, and it means above and beyond subscribing and rating on iTunes. For whatever reason, this is this is how we're rated and all this. So we want 5,000 weekly listeners by August of 2017. And for everybody who's already done it, and I could tell, which by the way, as of last week, we just tipped over 700 weekly listeners. So you're already doing it. I want to thank you for those who are, and if you're not, Help a brother out. Go to RenegadeDetroit.com. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, if you're interested in attending any local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. And I apologize. I have been fucking busy. I have not done as much social media as I would like. Same on Snapchat. Hit me up on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. And of course, go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. All right, legal disclaimer. Don't blame me, man. Blame all these fucks who think writing shit on paper and suing solves problems. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer, attorney, and or other licensed professionals. We also recommend that you grow the fuck up and be an adult and don't sue me. Thank you, please. All right. Time for the Renegade Joint Investors Show Quote. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I love this one, especially in today's fucking everybody's a professional victim. Oh, no, I can't do things because things, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Henry Forward. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right by Henry Ford. Let me introduce you to my guest today, folks, Mr. Justin Delk. And he's an interesting dude. Justin grew up in Gross Point, Michigan and went to high school in Yale, Michigan. He's an avid outdoors man, hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, all that shit. And he comes by honestly. His father like born and bred Cumberland Mountains of Tennessee. We're talking some backwood shit, folks. And he grew up very poor without electricity and running water. We're talking like really living off the land kind of stuff. It's a matter of survival. Um, Justin suffered several uh, major setbacks, including two major car accidents that left him permanently disabled and physically unable to do the work he did before. And this has cost him a lot, all sorts of bad things in his life. 
and it did change and force him to find work he hadn't considered before. When he was living in Tennessee, got a job selling used cars and learned the sales business from the bottom up. And the car dealership he was working at restructured their commission plan, which cut significantly into his budget. And right around that time, our fearless leader at the dealer group, Joe Delia, reached out to him and offered him a job as an agent on the team. And Justin accepted that job, moved to Michigan with nothing, got his license, and fucking started selling real estate. That's why I, I don't like excuses, folks. He's one of the best, most creative objective handler, objection handlers I have seen and heard in action. He currently works as an agent on the dealer team right here at the Keller Williams office in Royal Oak. And his goal this year is to help 50 families buy and or sell their home. All right, folks, you definitely want to reach out to him. Justin at the Delia group.com, J-U-S-T-I-N at the Delia group.com and hit him up on a cell, 248-595-4199. Justin, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. This is awesome. It is. And by the way, if anybody actually listens to the Delia Group podcast... He is now the new co-host of the Dealer Group podcast as well. I am loving it too. Yeah, our good friend, uh, Mr. Chad Miles, moved on to bigger and better things. So he is taking over in that department. So this worked out nicely. So Chad will do well. Yes. Good, good guy. We're going to miss him. And on to other things. Change is constant and everlasting. So we've talked a lot. And you got stories on stories on stories. <laughs> on stories. <laughs> on stories. I'm talking some good stories too, folks. So let's go back to the beginning, okay. right? Obviously, I know uh, some of your backstory. You grew up incredibly poor. Why don't we start with that? Describe what you went through, what childhood was like. Um, Grew up in Gross Point. Loved it. Uh, amazing city to grow up. Just uh, always having kids to uh, play with and uh, being outside and doing outside activities. I really didn't know I was poor. I really didn't know we didn't have money. Um, my dad grew up so poor that he knew how to enjoy life without money. Um, so I really didn't realize it till I realized what money really was. Um, so I, I had a great childhood. I don't, I don't knock that at all. Um, I guess I just came up a lot differently than a lot of other people did and didn't realize it till I started seeing those other cultures and, uh, the, the way other people live life. Um, but my dad was injured when I was very, very young and in a kind of like me in a really bad car accident. Um, and to the point where they told my parents or my mom to start making funeral arrangements for him. Damn. And some serious shit. So yeah. they thought he was going to die. Oh, he, yeah, crushed his skull and he rolled his truck 10 times. He was working 120 hours a week as a millwright, uh, fell asleep at the wheel on his way home. And, uh, at that point in time in life, he'd wake me up and my sister about four o'clock in the morning, kiss us, say hello. And that's when I saw my dad. And, uh, so between him and my mom, that's where I get that work ethic at and fell asleep, rolled 10 times, crushed his skull in. Seatbelt gutted him, 90 stitches, shoved his shoulder out, and broke his back in two places. And um, it collapsed his lung. Um, I remember seeing a mummy in the bed. I was about four years old. His head, about four basketballs, it looked like. Holy I didn't shit. know it was my dad. I had no clue. Um, told mom to start making funeral arrangements. He came through it all. Then they told him he'd never walk again. He walked again. They were going to take his lung out. He literally stayed up all night long with this little ping pong ball thing you breathe into. Got his lung to come back. Still has it to this day. <laughs> got his lung yeah, to come back. Yeah, literally what got that? it to start working again. Just willed it to work. And, uh, that's, you know, my, and that's funny you say will it to work because my dad said, you know, you're a Delk. You don't have much but your name. 
and we have willpower. And uh, so he instilled in me that you can do anything. It, it doesn't matter. And that's that quote resonates truly with me because I always believed I can do it. It didn't matter. I look at it. If another human being on this planet can do it, then I can do it. And uh, I just go for it. Never quit. I've been knocked down, but I get up and keep swinging. Yeah, that's the way life is. I've been knocked down and I stayed down for a while. I admit it. Hey, we'll I stay, admit we'll it. Stay down for a minute. It happens. Yeah, I did but it. As long as you keep going, that's yeah. it. You got back up though. I did. Know? I did. Uh, but to be honest, I did wallow in my misery for a little bit. You know, <laughs> it was. I don't blame you. I and, was so and, sad for myself, Justin. Yeah. I I did too. Later on in life, um, when I was. Uh, so a little bit more, I, I got married about 23, um, and adopted my wife's sister. Uh, she was 15 years old and, uh, that's, that's when I grew up right at that moment. Cause I realized that if I don't get out of bed today and go to work, two other people aren't going to survive. Yeah. Dude, that's, not gonna some, eat. that's some serious shit. Obviously don't say anything that you, you don't want to say or talk about things you want, but that's a lot of responsibility. How old were you when you adopted I was your 23? So yeah. I'm still a kid and I'm 33. So, <laughs> so, so at that point in time, it was, it was something uh, big to take on, but, uh, we're, we're very, very close. All of us are. And, uh, she has my little nephew now, who's my best buddy in the whole world, uh, calls me Gunkle. Um, so we stayed very, very close, but we had moved out to Denver. Um, I've always had a wild hair. If I wanted to go somewhere, I just went. So I moved to Naples, Florida and Denver, Colorado, lived all over Tennessee, all over Michigan. Um, but being out in Denver, we were completely away from everybody. And that's where I got hurt at. I was hit, um, at my job and ejected out of a vehicle. Um, messed me up pretty bad. Just the first year, I pretty much had to hold my wife's shoulders or my sister-in-law's just to get to the bathroom, just to use the bathroom and, uh, came back from it all. Um, got, got back into good shape. Um, but during that time, I understand because I physically couldn't get up and I physically couldn't take care of the bills and go to work and it. I could just lay there and, and wallow in misery. And didn't I, that ruin your life? Like a lot of, uh, so it was awful. The reason why I go over this is not just to tell a good story, but I hear so many fucking excuses running renegade Detroit investors for the last eight years. I hear so many excuses of why people can't do things. So I do this on purpose so people can hear that other people like them came back from worse situations. So I'm going to sound like I'm beating it to death a little bit, but let's talk about that whole year, 365 plus days where you just couldn't do shit. No, I mean, I wanted to. How did it go through your head? Like the ego, the like, it's coming from my background and my father's background that he had nothing. So he went after it all. Um, it, it was impossible to say I can't, it's just something that I, I don't believe in. I don't believe in those two words. Um, that's something instilled in my brothers and sisters and my family. And, um, and we always have is just, there's no such thing as I can just figure out how to do it. And so at first it was, um, it was demoralizing to, to realize that I can't even go to the bathroom without somebody's help. Um, but I fought it. I just uh, eventually got sick of being sick and upset and uh, was like, instead of just wallowing in this, I'm going to figure out how I can do it. And maybe I have to do it differently, but I will get the same outcome eventually. And you lost everything, didn't you? Like I lost everything. Yeah. Uh, got evicted, got uh, my car repossessed, and I had a legitimate lawsuit, but the way they string you along, um, 
they beat you up. So you give up. Yeah. And absolutely. I didn't have a choice. I couldn't get up, you know? So, um, I went home to Tennessee where my fa- parents were and, uh, stayed with them, um, throughout the process of dealing with the lawsuit and getting back into good shape. Um, and through that went into construction sales, um, where I wasn't doing the labor work. I was just more or less doing the sales and running the crews, um, traveled all over Tennessee doing it. Um, so any kind of hail and storm damage that would come through, I'd literally go into the neighborhood and start knocking on doors and, uh, selling the jobs. And then once I get one job, I'd go to the neighbors that I caught outside and I'd sell another. Do you job. remember, you remember what the pitch was? So you um, do like, like a storm chaser. I right? literally was a storm chaser yeah, all yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. Um, but if you're afraid of phone sales or you're afraid of face to face, Go knock on somebody's door that doesn't expect. Yeah, you get over that real fucking quick. Real quick. I've had more <laughs> doors slammed in my face than I care to remember. Um, that's that's for sure. And, and I that's comes into my sales today. And um, you know, I I believe that you go through things for a reason. Um, I actually had my real estate license at eighteen. I don't know if you know that. Um, worked for Colwell Banker on the Hill in uh, Gross Point, and uh, it was overwhelming. I worked ten hour days landscaping so I could pay to be a real estate agent. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I did it for a time being. And then, uh, got out into the world and just started seeing things and always stayed around sales. Um, I loved it and I always missed real estate. And so throughout all my travels and all the different things I, I did, I felt it prepared me for this life to come back to real estate. And, uh, I always missed it. I knew I would come back to it one day. And, um, it just worked out that my relationship in Tennessee with the car dealership just wasn't what I wanted it to be. I worked very, very hard. But I want to be rewarded for my work. I value, I value myself. And um, I, I always I wonder like what people are thinking. It seems so short sighted to to do some of these things where where they reduce commission or it's like you get a short term bump. But you, it seems like you are going to push your talent to higher and better uses, right? Always. Every yeah. place I've ever seen, they lose the top talent because. They don't realize that the most important thing you can do is take care of your employees. I mean, there's nothing more important. And um, my dad, as a millwright, ran thousand-man crews, and he always told me, he goes, Justin, the job doesn't matter. The um, the pay doesn't matter. Taking care of your guys matters because if they don't show up to work today, it doesn't matter if you have a $10 million job. It's not getting done. So take care of those guys so that you know they're there to back you up, whether it's the smallest task or the biggest task. And so that's how I move through life as a manager or expected people to treat me when I was in their position and um, not not for free. I would go into a job and say, what are your expectations of me? What are your expectations of the next level? How do I get there? And I would go meet those expectations and I'd go back and say, okay, I've done everything you wanted me to do. I want my position. I want my Give me promotion. my raise. Give me my money. Increase and when my they commission. I'll go to the next place because I was looking for a job <laughs> when I found this one and I'll find me another one. Man, that's so uh, to your point, I want to get back to this door knock. I'm yeah. fascinated. Yeah. Yes. Because this is really like this is in the trend. I mean, don't like after door knocking, it's cold calling, right? Correct. But door knocking, that is like hardcore metal meets the meat sales. What did you do? How did you do it? I don't know if you remember your numbers too. So I don't not not really numbers and really what it was all about was getting that first job. Um, because I was confident in our in our crews and the the level of workmanship that we did. So I knew once I could get into a neighborhood and get a job going and let them see what we did, um, it would sell itself. Ah, okay. So you, your strategy was get one. 
and then work around that when they saw how good. That's it. That's, That's it. Genius. And yeah. and I would always get another one. And and we can use this in real estate, guys. I mean, uh, get in there, list a home, be active, knocking on doors, uh, letting the neighbors know what's going on with your listing, and uh, calling around those neighborhoods. Now you're going to start to be a face in the neighborhood. Then when that sell that house sells in less than thirty days, and you get them top price for it. They're calling you because you're the guy that was knocking on their door. I didn't see any other agents doing that. I, nobody else called me. Call and you, it circle and you dialing, it. right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's and, where, folks, you, you dial, you cold call around. You can use programs like Mojo or Vulcan, and you can cold call neighborhoods around where you just sold a property and say, hey, just thought I'd let you know we sold X, Y, and Z house for top dollar. Do you know anybody thinking about selling now or in the near future, right? And, no. And if How you about know, you? If you know you're going to sell and you're selling quickly and that's your average, call them and tell them it's just listed. I've just listed this home. Um, do you have any friends and family that are interested in it? And and start to spark some interest. But the best thing is when you call back in less than a month and say, hey, remember I called you and told you I had that home listed? Well, it's sold. And what we see is that on an average when one sells, one or two more is going to sell within a couple weeks or at least get listed. And I'd like your house to be the next one listed. Are you interested in getting top dollar for your home? And selling in the shortest amount of time yeah it's hard to say no no i want i want bottom dollar for my home right <laughs> that's it nope don't like money guys i I'll hate just, money uh, you know i was going for medium money actually i was gonna go for it but yeah. it's 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 being honest and educated in what you're doing and that's how i've always approached sales um I'm not a pushy salesman. I'm not here to just sell you the first house we go into or anything else I was ever doing in sales. I wanted to be educated in what I was selling, and I wanted to be honest about the situation. So in real estate, I take all of your wants and needs, and I put them into my search criteria, and I go after it. And I want to find you those things that fit your wants and needs but stay within your budget, and I want you to be happy. Um, I want you to tell all your friends and family who to come work with, um, that's what's important. And so by not selling them the home, but helping them find the home that meets those criteria is what will make you a great salesman. And it doesn't matter what field of sales you're in. Uh, people will come back and work to you. And I, I'd have a lot of managers in the car dealership that people would leave. And that is like, that's a sin in the car world. You do not let them walk away. Um, but I always wondered why they did that, right? It's, it's like it's all old... about today's money and they don't think in the future. And yeah. that's the problem. I, I think about the future. I think about you telling your friends and family and, and me being a family real estate agent for you or the car salesman or whatever you're in. And so um, by treating them right, by educating them and taking the time with them, regardless if I knew they could buy a house or buy the car or not, just spending that time with them, they're going to resonate that to their friends and family that, hey, he knew that this was going to come of nothing, but he still took the time to educate me and work with me and uh, let me know the process and, and what to expect. Um, and I think that goes a long way with people. And, they, and those people would come back and they would buy a car or buy a house from me um, based on that because I took the time with them. I didn't just try to push them into the first thing. Yeah, they're good because you do need, I have found, some people say you don't need to be a hard closer anymore. I have found that there's definitely situations they are few and far between where you need those kind of skills. But when you see people deploying these skill set, you know, it's like a special tool. You need to do a special job sometimes, but they want to use it on everything. Right. You know, come on, man. Get, it's a no. Let's let's get away from tool and call it a secret weapon. <laughs> you know, you only pull it out when you yes, need it. Secret weapon. You know, that's that's the key. And 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 I'm a pit bull when it comes to negotiations. You know, I I want a win win for everybody, and that goes for the sales side and the buy side, regardless of what side I'm on. I want everybody to be happy and to be fair. 
but I'm going to do everything I can within reason to either sell your home or get you the home you want to purchase. And that comes down to being educated and doing your due diligence as a professional. And a lot of people, because they can't see that end of the business, they don't see that value. Uh, so once you're able to show it to them, it's night and day. They know they don't want anybody else. Yeah, one of the reasons why I actually became a real estate agent, it was not on my dream list. It wasn't something like, you know, someday I'm going to work with a bunch of people and sell their homes. And I, that, I always wanted to be a real estate investor. That was the side I was on. And I have noticed, though, that there's a big difference in how we view things from the real estate investor side than from the real, real estate agent side. And on the agent side, lots of agents are looking for, we call them nurtures, and we're going out two years. We're trying to, we're trying to farm business two years or more into the future, and that's very different. Uh, at least good agents, folks, and most of them are not. You know how I feel about it. I think, quite frankly, even though I like the office I'm at, most of them should still be selling pencils from a cup on the side of the fucking road, right? And this is the one of the better offices, right? This, I mean, I think it's any field. I think 98% of salespeople are not good at it, and the 2% are. Yeah. And they it, that's because they're dedicated. Um, I'm a full-time agent. I'm not a part-time. I don't work seasonally or when it's convenient for me. I work every day. Yeah, my aunt, my aunt has a, I mean, me and you were talking back and forth after 10 o'clock last night on deals and I was with my other clients, you know, so it's, um, you don't get to clock out. So if you're, if you want to be able to work nine to five and go home and not be bothered, this is not the industry for you. Yeah. And I noticed the speed is picking up too. Like if you're not on it, they're coming and go to the next guy, like less than five minutes. If you don't return somebody's call, email or text in less than five minutes, this is something I've been struggling with because I'm, I'm very aggressive in how I book my schedule. So sometimes meeting this is, uh, uh doesn't always make you popular either with your wife or your friends, or your, you know, family, like you just have to literally stop what you're doing and at least say something. That, and that's it. Um, you can't always answer the question or get back to them, but you can acknowledge that you did receive their message. Guys, I'm really busy right now. I will get to you as quick as I can. Yeah. Just just acknowledge it. Whether it's an email, it's a text, just let them know that I do see this and I will get to you guys as quick as I can. I try to respond within an hour. Some people think I'm crazy for that, um, but that's, that's the expectation I want to set and hold because you are important to me. This is how I feed my family. I take care of my family, and, and I love what I do, and I don't want to jeopardize that. Yeah, without you, the there's no service. me, right? Yeah, they no commission without a seller or a buyer. That's you know? it. That's yeah. it. And and what about the next commission and the next commission? So if I take care of you, you're going to tell the next guy, and that's that's what it comes down to. That's what this business is all about. That's one thing investors don't really work on too. That I've done, I've worked on a lot the last couple of years is uh, referrals. That seems I don't understand. Like, hey guys, what are you doing? Why are you not going after referrals? Right. That's one thing. Another reason I became an agent, thinking that far into the future, man. Why not get after these referrals? Yeah. Why? Why not? I mean, if you did yes, a good job. Did. I think sometimes when people were like they don't think they did a good job or something, they want to go back and ask. Right. Some I don't know else you wouldn't do it. But why not go back? Even if you think you did bad, why not go back and ask and find out what you did wrong? That's so a good you point. can change it. Yeah. You know, and I think people appreciate that. If you can at least acknowledge that, hey, maybe I didn't do this perfect, but can you help me figure out 
what I what I can do better. Um, that's part of something we do at the dealer group. We have our three promises, and the third promise is really a promise from our client to us: is that give me give give me the three promises, okay, Justin. So yeah, the, you know I was going to ask. Yes, that. yes, yes. So three goals, three promises. However, you want to look at it. Yeah. The first goal is to just give you a get you into a home that fits all of your criteria and the second is to do that in a timely manner in the most efficient way we can and the third is as long as we can do those first two goals for you that you would be willing to refer somebody to us before the end of our transaction before we close that we can work with in the in a future transaction um and by living up to those first two goals we hope that you're willing to do that with us. And if not, I want to sit down with you and I want to know what I did wrong. That's so good. Yeah. And it's so it's honest simple. too. You get, of course, folks, something like this only works if you really care. I want to point out. You have that to mean out. what you say. Yes. If you're just reading it, people, can you tell when somebody means it or not, Justin? All day long. Right. <laughs> we could sniff that from 10 miles away. 10 you know? miles. Yeah, you're I like, mean, it's, that's nothing. No, you know? like, oh, and yeah, I right. think most people can, especially saying those three things. Um, it's everything that you do leading up to it and after that really resonates. But even if somebody doesn't believe you when you say it, your your actions afterwards are going to yeah. to you know reaffirm that that hey he really does mean that he really is going to do this for us and so I'm I'm not perfect by any means but I try to strive for as much excellence as I can especially in the real estate this is the biggest purchase you guys are going to make so that in return is is just as important to me as it is to you so I'm going to go back to this door knocking thing cool do you remember your best deal your best door knocking deal when you're selling construction services. Cause you know, there's base hits, there's doubles, there's triples. It wasn't a deal actually. It wasn't. But one of my favorite moments was there was a neighborhood in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. It's a little suburb outside of Nashville. And they, I was going around knocking on this neighborhood, really nice high end, more four to $500,000 homes. And couldn't get anybody i mean nobody's answering the door nobody's coming out surprised you can even get to the door when you're at that price point right? exactly exactly <laughs> um and this one guy's knocking on his door and i'm walking away from the house and he comes up the driveway and he did not look happy <laughs> and so he's like hey buddy what are you doing you know hey buddy and, that's yeah, never good start. no no and you know i told him i explained him you know hey just uh, going around i know a hailstorm came through here and i'm uh here to give you a free estimate on your home see if you have any damage and we would want to represent you on your behalf to the insurance companies to make sure that they they pay and take care of what they should um and he said hey i you know no offense here but you know don't be surprised if people slam some doors in your face and have a few choice words for you. And I said, Hey buddy, that comes with the territory. Wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. I'll just go on to the next door. And, and he kind of laughed at it. And as soon as he laughed, it became a whole new conversation. And that's something I always took with me in phone conversations and face to faces, get somebody to laugh. Even if they're being rude to you, laugh with them when they're saying that, that rude comment to you. And sometimes you'll even get a chuckle out of them. And once I got that chuckle out of him, he opened right up and told me the story of what was going on. And there was something to it. There was a guy that had come through a roofer. He had literally got 50% down from almost the whole neighborhood right there and split with all the money over half a million dollars, man. And so I understood, but in the same sense, 
Um, by making him laugh, I got the backstory of what was going on. And then it was something I could put in my pocket as I knocked on the door. It says, Hey, yeah, your neighbor told me what happened, but let me tell you about our company and what we do. And that's a good, and point. you can check us like out updating your, like, I got another tool here to yeah. use. Uh, that, yeah, that's, you can, everything you learn, you can take and use your advantage in one way or another. And so that's, that's what I did and, and ended up getting a few jobs out of the neighborhood and, it worked out great, you know, but if I wouldn't have had that information, I wouldn't have had it later on for the people that were very, very standoffish to say, hey, your neighbor, now they've heard a neighbor's talk to me and, and somebody's opened up and confided in me. So they'd feel a little more comfortable talking to me and go right from there. Yeah, I always, um, I like to get, you can't solve a problem and this is a problem humans have. And if you're thinking this, fight against it. Many people believe that if they withhold information that somehow whatever they're trying to buy or sell that by withholding information, they think they will get a better deal, right? Either their real motivations. If something's wrong, people fucking lie and they lie, not just a lie because people, I don't think people are just lying to lie. No, they lie because they think it gives them an advantage. Right. And that is the exact opposite thing you want to do. And that's either if you're buying and or you're selling. It doesn't work. You, you you need information to solve problems, and you're not going to get the sale if you can't solve the problem. Especially if you're doing this to your hired agent, if they're your buyer agent or their seller Damn agent. Damn good point. You know, um, and I've had clients do that to where they were like in a house, and they're like, hey, Justin, would you mind if you uh, gave us a minute to discuss this? And of course, I always respect that. But in the same sense, what I let them know is like, guys, your concerns are my concerns and I can't solve those concerns or address them if I don't know what they are. And they were, I didn't think about that. I work know? for you, work Mr. For Buyer, you. Mr. It. Seller. I don't work for somebody else. So please share with me what your concerns are and, and don't hold anything back because if we get so far along the process and I didn't know that was an issue and now it is, it may be too late. You know, so let us do our job. And by doing our job, lay it out on the table. Um, you can have a set price. You can have a set budget and still lay all your cards on the table. Cause I can't, I can't go past this. This is what it is. And here are the reasons why it is that it's like decentralized command too. I listened to the Jocko podcast, which if you don't, you need to go check it out is so fucking good. Jocko Willink and Leaf Babin wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And Jocko has the Jocko podcast, and it is just I, I I cannot recommend it highly enough. I'll check that out. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I just totally fucking forgot the point I was going to go on. <laughs> <laughs> I got so much into the Jocko podcast, um, I lost about, the point. About, um, we were talking about shit. I lost it. I got a text, and I at the same time it buzzed in my pocket, and I was going on that. Wow. No, we were talking about um, confiding all of your information into your buyer or seller agent and letting them know that um, what what is important to you guys and what your concerns are and just laying it all out on the line. And that's what puts you into the podcast there. Yeah. Well, that's all right. We'll just move on. I can't remember whatever fucking point I was trying to make. <laughs> like my dad that. used to say, it was probably a lie or not important. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go back and I'll listen and I'm like, shit, that was a really good point. I forgot to bring up. But uh, anyway, so if you're doing that. Don't laugh. Oh, I remember. I was, yeah. So you got to laugh. I just remember now. So you, you got that guy to laugh yep. and then you got a piece of information. That's the objection. You're like, oh, that makes sense. This guy's going through and stole money for roofs. And now you have that piece of information to go forward. And that's decentralized command was the point I was getting at. Yes. Thank you, Jocko. And I'm finally back there where you have to tell the people 
that are working for you or and in this case, if you're hiring somebody to buy or sell a home for you, you have to tell them everything because you can't be there every step of the way. So you really have to like your motivation, especially the why. You got to get to the why. If you can't get to the why, nobody's going to solve your problem. You're hiring these people to solve your problems, right? That's right. And you hire an agent. It's like decentralized command. They need to know everything. So they can make, sometimes you have, how many times have you had to make decisions on really fast decisions? At, Every single day. Right. And the more information you have, the better decision you can make. So, Correct. It's, it's, there's not a delay in the process because I, I know where my clients stand. And that's something in negotiations I will call and say, okay, here's, here's what I want to go for. But what is the most you'll do and what is the least you'll do? So I know where I stand. Now, I might not convey or negotiate till the end with whoever I'm negotiating with, but I know in my head where we can go. So I know how to take this and then I can play like, Oh, let me see what we can do in my mind. I already know I can do this. No problem. You know, but I don't want to give that information up. But if your agent doesn't know that, how, how can they do that? Yeah. Like trying to walk around. Yes. No, (laughs) there's no such thing as mind reading. Right. Folks. That's for sure. You got to tell them. So what did you, what made you leave the um, construction door to door sales job? Um, I came home to Michigan. Ah, okay. Um, I wanted to. So my little nephew that was born was born with cystic fibrosis, and for those of you that don't know that out there, um, life expectancy was is about thirty one. Um, so we wanted to be home and be close to him. Um, and my sister in law, and so I came home and was hit by a drunk driver. Fuck twice, twice, and started all over again. That. So how many years between? So two thousand ten, I was hit. Um took me about four years to come back from that and then about three years ago i was hit by the drunk driver dude that's demoralizing as fuck started completely over like what, literally what was over. going through your mind waking up at the hot whatever it was when you realized next, again i had more anxiety that next morning than i'd ever had in my whole life and i've never really been an anxious or anxiety person um in my life until my accidents and because i this second time was probably even worse anxiety just because I knew what to expect. I knew how I was drugged through the ringer for four years and, and we literally went through hell. I mean, I was in that period in time, I was feeding my family $2 a day is what we had. How the for fuck food did you expenses. do that, man? Creativity. <laughs> <laughs> I guess have, what? I eat ramen noodles <laughs> in every way, shape and form. You can flavor them. And we would go to the store and get like 42 cent cans of biscuits in a bag of gravy. And you could do it for under two bucks. And I ate a lot of biscuits and gravy. That's and a lot of biscuits and gravy. A lot of biscuits and gravy, but it's filling. Yeah. And, and so when you have it's an eight all day, yeah. it's nice, you know, <laughs> but um, you just, you just don't give up, you know, you just, you just keep moving forward and um, so coming back from that second time, I knew that this is going to be hell. What do I need to do? So I had learned my body so well that even though I was re-injured, I already had an idea of what my limitations were going to be. My brother-in-law was in car sales down in Tennessee, and he said, hey, Justin, I know you're an awesome salesman. I'll get you a job here, and they'll work around your injuries. So I literally sold everything I had. I had no money because we were right back to that same position where they weren't paying me and not doing anything too, man. Sucks. Everything had no, my truck was parked because of the truck I'd used for roofing. I didn't use it when I, we moved to Michigan. So I pretty much just parked it. So I had no registration, no nothing on it. Drove through the night to Tennessee, got in about three 30 in the morning. 
um, had literally no legal tags, no insurance on the car, and what that's I could, and what I could right fit there. in a truck. Yeah. That's that's what I had. Left my wife here in Michigan uh, with my brother and sister-in-law. Drove there, 3.30 in the morning, got there. 7 o'clock that morning, I, I applied in person for the job. Got hired on the spot, worked for the first week, got my paycheck, sent it to my wife, and she came to Tennessee. And the moral of that story, folks, is when you have an opportunity, you take it. You better take it. Yep. Yeah. And you either believe in yourself or you don't. Yeah. Now, it might not have worked out, but how are you going to figure it out? I knew I would. Yeah. I knew I would figure it out. Whether yeah. that worked or it didn't, I was going to make something happen. Um, but I, I've always been confident in my sales ability um, and in my negotiation, my interview skills. I, I didn't have the inclination I wasn't getting this job. Just to me, I believe in myself enough that I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. And and I did. I went in there. and I mean, they literally hired me on the spot. It was usually a three-person interview process, and they were like, nope, you got the job right now. I would hire the guy who drove through the night in a truck with no tags and left his wife behind and sold everything. That's, that's a motherfucker who's got nothing left to lose. Literally had nothing because I put it all in gas on the last yep. stop. Good, because I'm selling cars here no matter what. Yep, that's right. That's I'm going right. to go do one right now. That's right. There's Point another direction across the street. You're not hiring me. They are. <laughs> that's great. Yep, yep. Either hire me or uh, your your neighbor, your your competitor will too. So that's funny. Where man. you want me selling that? Yeah, that's some sad shit though too. So all through, how many hours is it from? It, it's to where I was going. It's about an eight to ten hour drive, depending on how fast you're going. Man, I don't know how you made it through no tags, no, no, all that shit, dude. Little pucker in the whole way. Let me, <laughs> yeah, let me say. Let me say. That's a high risk, high reward kind of situation. That right was there. it. I left at dark, and I knew I'd be there before before daylight, and um, just went there and made it happen. Literally, Smokey and the Bandit kind of That's shit. Right. right? That's I like right. Car sales. <laughs> <laughs> I drove it like you did. And a truck. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And a truck. I just need to get through as fast as I absolutely can. So, <laughs> let's talk about car sales because this this is one of I think. Which, by the way, if you're young. You don't have a lot of, uh, you know, car sales seems to be like, that's a great way to learn how to overcome objections, right? Because you hear them all. Cars and houses, two things that people are going to have, unless you're Amish or something, right? Yep. Cars and houses, or homes, however you want to say it. People buy that all the time. So what was it like when you got that car salesman job? Um I, at first, I, I really, really enjoyed it just because of the sales aspect. And uh, you're really involved with somebody every single day. Learned a lot from the car business. Um, I, I was in a smaller dealership that had a one owner. Um, he was, didn't own a hundred of them or anything like that. So he was very hands on with the place. And they, they took our customer service very, very seriously. Um, and how we went out and got business. They didn't do it the traditional way. We had a, a BDC, which they're more popular up here, but not really down there, which is a business development center. It's it's uh, getting on the phones and calling the, around the area and stuff like that. And That's like, you don't really hear that. How many car people do that? Um, it's, it's getting a lot more popular. It's been around for a few years, but uh, outside of the car dealerships, you don't really hear about these business development centers. And I think it's starting to get this push in the real estate field. Um, so it was a great, um, a great tool for me to come back into this business was to get in there and do that hand face to face sales every single day and getting on those phones and, and drumming up business. Um, now some of the old timers, they sat there and they waited for people to come in like the old school way. 
Um, and that's not, I didn't, so I didn't have the money. business come. Yeah. You didn't have the money to wait, right? No, no, yeah. I was making it come to me. I need me. to find a customer. And they love that, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> and, and I busted my butt to do it until I got to the point where I just didn't feel like I was being paid for what I was bringing to the table. I was, uh, we sold about a hundred cars a month. So if you know the car business, that's not very much for a dealership, but for us, it was when we only had eight salesmen. Um, and I sold 18 in one month. So I've done almost a quarter of the month sales in myself. And, uh, I made 5,500 bucks. Should have made about bullshit. 15 to 20,000. Yeah. That's some bullshit right there. Yeah, I'm uh, not even a car salesman and I know that's some bullshit. That was a, and that's a straight hustle. If you know that, I mean, that's like doing something every And these are day. used cars. This is oh, like, Oh no, I was new and used. Oh, was it new so and I, was selling, used? Uh, okay. I could be selling, um, a hundred thousand dollar Escalade, which I did that month down to a $5,000 beater. Um, but actually the used cars, you make a lot more money. Hell yeah, you do. Cause it's yeah. buying and selling, you yeah. know, you're flipping, the, you're the buying new, them a discount. Exactly. A new car is, it is what it is. You know, there's, there's not that much in it. And, uh, once I realized that I was gone, I was already ready to, to move to the next step because I, I felt I took what I could from the job and I didn't see, um, any way of making anything more because of the way it was structured. And I missed real estate and I missed Michigan and it literally just fell into my lap Joe, um,'s cousin is my best friend, and he was Joe was writing his cousin and said, "Hey, come work for me." He's in the Marines and said, "I can't, but call Justin if you want somebody that's a hard worker and is honest and knows sales." And Joe called me, and I was here two months later. How did you, if you don't mind sharing how that conversation go, man? Because I'm I'm curious because obviously you just you get an opportunity, you just, you just strike right. You're done. You're ready to go. You got an opportunity. Uh, so how'd that conversation go? And how did you have to discuss it with your wife or how'd you come to the decision? So, to say yes? um, because my wife's sister was up here in Michigan and my wife just was not a fan of living in Tennessee. We lived in a very, very rural area. Um, so you were like 45, 50 minutes away from anything. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah so sounds perfect. She wasn't digging it, you <laughs> no. know, so she was ready to go. Um, of course we always worry financially what we were going to do. Um, I wanted to make sure we were okay. So I figured, Hey, I'll just go into the car sales business up in Michigan until I figure something else that I want to do. Cause I knew at least I could make a living doing it. And, um, I saw the Facebook conversation between Joe and Julian, um, his cousin and, I expected the phone call, you know, I, I know when Joe says he's going to do something, he does it. And I'm the same way. And so basically it was, um, what, what are you guys doing? And I had been following Joe. He had told me two years ago at my buddy's wedding that, Hey, these are my plans. I'm coming back to Michigan. This is what I'm going to do. And he went exponentially above it. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I was ready for this phone call. And, uh, <laughs> and so when he called, I just was like, I wanted to know about the training and what was I stepping into? Was I going to be able to make money right off the bat? And, and those, those questions, all I was worried about is how can I survive until I can start rolling? And I didn't need a lot to survive. So just help me out here. And Joe was amazing. Uh, worked with me the whole way. I started, got my 40 hour class and uh, did my credit hours. I had, because I had a license previously, it was a little bit easier for me to get my license back and uh, basically got to the point where all I had to do was come to Michigan, take the test and we were gone. Boom. Packed it all up again, sold everything I could down to what I could fit in a small truck and we came on. So that was like three times. I didn't even know what I was going to make. Didn't even have an expectation of what I was going to make. I just knew Joe was doing what he said he was going to do, and I could see the results. So I knew that as long as I had an opportunity, I'll, I'll figure the money out. Yeah. Just hopped on it. 
So three times you had to sell everything except for what you could fit in the back of your truck. Pretty much. Yeah. How, now, how's this is stressful on a family, right? How did the wife handle all this? How did you over, you know, because it takes a lot of, you got to sell that job too, right? You got to sell the whole thing. That's it. That's it. And my wife is, uh, she's always been extremely supportive. So uh, she knows that when I put my mind to something, I'm doing it and it's it's going to happen and I'll figure out a way to make it happen. So she believes in me that I'm going to take care of us and I'm going to make sure everything's okay. Um, she was super happy to come home to her nephew and to her sister. Um, and my, my wife had a rough life as well growing up. So it was, it was nothing new. As long as we were together, we were good to go. And so we, uh, figured it out together and, and really it was telling my family was the hard part because all of my family's in Tennessee now. So, Hey, I'm leaving again, guys. And uh, you, know, you would think they'd be used to it by now uh, because I picked up and moved so many times. It was a running joke that anybody moving like, well, go ask Justin because he'll pick up moving a day to yeah. halfway across <laughs> the United States. So, and I, and I literally would, uh, when I decided to move back from Florida, literally it was the night. It was about six o'clock at night. I was living with my buddy down in Florida and he said, Hey man, I'm thinking about, going back to Michigan. I was like, great. Cause I was going to bring it up to you too. The next morning at noon, we were gone. Damn. That's that, quick. I mean, that fast. Yeah. Why wait? Right. I don't wait. If I make a decision, it's done. Yeah. I'm, I'm going. That is something I, I, it's not that I haven't done it. I just haven't done it recently. People think they have the, all this time in the world. Like opportunities come now. There's always more now. opportunities, but if you're interested in doing something, why not start? Just that's just, it. And yeah. I'm not a fan of jumping around. Um, but at the same time, as as I was young, I wanted to experience different things. So when I got into my 30s, um, I, I had a good idea of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And and I'm here to settle down. I'm not. I'm not here to go anywhere else. Um, I I did that in my 20s. And I learned a lot. I I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't do anything else differently. And a lot of people don't have the balls to go do it, you know. And so I love that life that I live. But now it's it's time for a new chapter. It's time to put my roots down back in Michigan and and make a career of this and uh, go hard. What are some of the differences between the car sales job and the real estate sales job? Really, the not much. The only thing I would say is the difference is the pushiness is um is in the car business they want that sale today pushy 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 real old um, school hard clothes like yeah, yeah oh hard clothes i yeah. mean they are not letting you get up from that table <laughs> i mean i've literally seen people scrap it out i mean the whoa oh yeah the car business is is a alpha male like head but i mean i've called people like i guess we're just gonna have to step outside because there was no other route to take it Holy especially shit. when you're down south in the mountains i guess we're just gonna have roll, to step outside, you know and it, i mean they're stealing deals and um you know you'd, you'd have a client you have coming in and then you'd look over and they're sitting in a booth with another guy and that other guy's told him hey he's not here right now let me take care of you Oh, that's some cold shit right there. Yes. You got to yes. leave his heart on his doorstep for his wife to find. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's where my Detroiter comes out yeah, real quick. You might you know? want to eat this. I recommend <laughs> onions and garlic. <laughs> exactly. Man, what do you do when that happens? Man? You call him out. You be a man. I mean, um, and, and that's, but 
Um, I'll always stand up for myself. That's the way I was raised. But why do I got to come to work every single day and butt heads with yeah, people? Yeah, fuck and that, man. I want to be happy. It's like working with a den life. of thieves, right? It, it, that's it. That's it. and then and then the the customers as well, where they think car salesmen are going to screw them, so they automatically have it out for you. And, they, and the same thing you're talking about, they want to lie. They don't want to tell you yeah. what's going on. So it was just an uphill battle every single day, all day long. And then to make basically minimum wage when you add up the hours and the time spent, it just didn't make sense. And so the difference in in real estate, I think, is um, you're here to help people. I'm, I'm here to help you find a house. I'm not here to put you in the first house that you're looking for. I really, really want to help you. I want to become your friend. I want to know about you. I want to know about your wants and needs and um, and make you happy, help you make the biggest purchase ever. I mean, I, I had a client. I couldn't make a closing on Monday, and he said, I'm going to come find you because I'm giving you a hug. You know, I mean, and, and that's but that's awesome. I take me. free that's hugs. That's what I do it for. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You can always give me money and give me a hug too. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Too. I'm not, <laughs> not going to shy away. All right, give me your give me a couple of your best. Uh, uh, is, I want your best other car salesman thieving story. That I let, let's get let's get that right out because this happens. I don't think it happens so much in real estate, but there, this happens all the time, right? You have you have leeches, you have parasites, whatever you want to call them. It costs everybody a lot of money, whether you realize it or not, whether they're stealing from the grocery store, they're stealing from a coworker, or they're or doing, just changing the morale in the atmosphere. Yeah. You know? Making it, uh, make, just making it, uh, all about them. Um, give me your best story about that. So, um, had a guy that basically what I was saying before, um, I had spoke with this lady on the phone. I had it in the computer. I mean, I, I would cover my tracks though so that I couldn't get burnt. Um, and a lot of those guys wouldn't write anything down, wouldn't put it in the computer. So they couldn't back up basically what they were saying. I could. And I'm all about facts. Document it. That's document everything. Yeah. And, um, so I was literally sitting what they call the tower where, where they write up the deals where the manager sit. And I can see this credit app in his hand and I can read the name. And it's my client. Now, I've never met this lady before. I, everything was done over the phone up until the point where we had an appointment. And he literally did that as, oh, Justin's not here. Let me take care of you. And that was it. No split. Not going to give me anything. Da, da, da. So I called him out right in front of my bosses right there. Like, how'd you get him? I, got, I have an appointment on the board in the computer for this person. Why didn't you come get me? You know, and all oh, that's not, that's not yours. That's not yours. I was talking to her boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. Is it in the computer? And he's like, I Boom. don't give a fuck about the computer. And I said, all right, well, I guess the only way we're going to sell this is to step outside because <laughs> this is how I feed my family. And yep. when, when you cross that line of taking food out of my family's mouth, you're going to meet a whole new human being and I don't play. And so, and literally it was, it was about to come to blows. We were going to go outside and. I told him, I'm like, listen, buddy, you might whoop me today, but I'll be here tomorrow. We're going to do it again because this will never, ever happen again. And he realized, and he ended up apologizing. I ended up getting the deal, and it, it set a precedent that you don't want to mess with him you know, because he's going to call you out. And the thing was, a lot of the guys wouldn't call them out. They would sit, and they'd huff and puff and walk around, but they would never address it. And it's like, well, then you're in the wrong industry. Yep. you know. But I was in the wrong industry because I don't like being that person. I don't want to be that guy. I like to have fun at work and laugh.
laugh and joke. I think we have a great time at work. We have a great atmosphere uh, with our group. And that's one of the biggest things about coming to the Delia group for me and back into real estate is like, I literally enjoy getting up every day and going to work And there. I was like, Oh my goodness, I got to go to work again. And I work six days a week, 12 hours a day there. So that gets old, man. That's hardcore. Yeah. I'm glad. See, the, in, in the investor side, this shit happens too, but it's on the other side. Sellers a lot. Like I just had it. I have it happen all the time. I used to be such a nice guy, Justin. Yeah, I'm not so fucking nice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a nice guy. I just think you're blunt, and I think that's what uh, I I love bluntness. I mean, uh, that's I like to cut through the bull and let's get to it. And I think that's the difference between investors and real estate people's investors literally just cut through the bullshit. It's like, hey, here's my dollar, do yeah. it or not. You know, it's simple as that. And we, we got to be a little more touchy feely. And you uh, do, you know, you do. it's a, we, we've got people's feelings on the line. You guys, you got green. We don't like feelings. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You're not worried yeah. about the feelings, you know? So, <laughs> so I think that's, I think that's our difference between the, the investor and the real estate yeah. side. I need, that. I need to know what your problem is so I can solve it or at least attempt to solve and it you're like i don't care about your problem here's my dollar amount give me a call when you're yep. ready to take yep. it but, but i do have to know it'll work otherwise i'm it is less likely to happen yep. so i do have to be able to put some pieces together and i just had this happen literally yesterday really seller called me up and tried to renegotiate the deal said i wasn't a man of my word blah 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 all, you always know and they're doing like what do you mean i've done everything i said i'm gonna do all that I spent 15 minutes trying to explain it to him. He's like, no, it's not going to happen unless I get $6,000 more. And I finally was like, this is not how it works. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to file a claim of interest. I'm going to send it to you. And that's that. And you won't be able to sell it without coming to us. You won't do it. And give me a call back when you're feeling more reasonable. He actually called me back two hours later and said, so have you given any thought? I'm like, this is not how this works, man. I was like, go easy or go hard. Went down to Wayne County, filed it, emailed it to his wife. Emailed it to his wife. Basically said, you're fucked. You can't do anything without this. (laughs) This is what's going to happen. I am absolutely not going away. We don't have to be friends, and it looks like we're not going to be. But both of us are going to do what we said we're going to do. Or the deal can be back on, and we can both do what we say we're going to do, and you can get the money you want and all that. Guess that's what happened. Oh, yeah. Four <laughs> hours later. Motherfuckers make me take two hours out of my day. I got to go get this shit notarized. You know what a pain in the ass it is to get documents notarized in 2016 with all the theft? You got to have everything. Gotta everything. Have, you got to have everything to get done. Then I got to go hang out in the Wayne County building, which is my least favorite thing to do in the world. I bet. Now I'm pissed. By the way, back on. Deal's back on <laughs> in the morning. So, And then I posted to Facebook because I want all you fucks to know, too. Don't fuck with me. Nope. Don't fuck with anybody, but especially don't fuck with me. And that's what you had to teach that guy, right? That's it. That's they're it. jackals. They're wolves in this world. And I recommend a book, weakness. too. Yeah, that's exactly right. They 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 think that kindness is weakness, and they go to take advantage of it. And I don't fucking care. I had it happen a couple of weeks ago with this guy. Uh, uh, he has a church. He has a church. He put a house on a car. Call me back the next day trying to shake me down for more money. Left me a voicemail trying to cast demons out of me in the name of Jesus. I went and filed. I mailed it to him. I mailed it to his wife. I texted it to him. He's pissed at me. I kept hanging up on him. I sent it to his neighbors. I finally told him, like, look, I'm going to send this to your church, and I'm going to come to your church and tell everybody you're not a man of your word. Fucking called me up and apologized. Boom. Got to the closing table. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea behind that is stand up for yourself. You, you know, um, I am literally, I will give you the shirt off my back. If I can do something for you, 
I will. But the second I feel that you're going to try to take advantage of me, then you're going to see a different side. You're going to, you're going to see a very strict business person. And I'm going to, I can put you in your place with a smile on my face. That's no problem. So, and, and I think same for you is like, you got to, you got to nip that stuff in the bud. But once people realize it's just like a bully, stand up to one bully, none of the other bullies want to mess with you. And that's exactly right. There's a great book about this too. It's by uh, Robert Ringer. It's called Winning Through Intimidation. And it's actually not a book about intimidation at all. It's about people who use bullying and intimidation tactics for negotiation and all that as a commercial real estate developer. He apparently ran into this a lot, so he wrote a book on how to deal with it. I just, I'm flipping a shitty apartment in Detroit. I just had a lady do this to me, all this shit. I had to fucking shut her down, too. It's like rife, and people are testing. It's like that lion. I know it's, I hate to do it like this, folks, but it's like that lion where the jackals are kind of fucking with him and he is kind of fucking with him. He kind of takes it for a while, then he gets up and fucks one up and they all run away. Yep. Sometimes you got to fuck one up. That's right. Sometimes you got to be the lion. You got to go and you got to do like, look, man, I'm just trying to live. So, and and let him know. So, you moved up to Michigan, you started selling real estate. What, you had to go through transition, obviously, had to get your family up here, all that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about going from zero to, by the way, you're having a fucking kick-ass month, it looks like, here at the Dealey Group. Biggest uh, month ever. Yeah. Now, some of that was because you had some deals die that you had to resurrect last month, Correct. but still impressive. You brought them back to life. So, I'm let's go from back. zero to excellent customer service and paychecks this month. That's right. So, um, got here, and uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law were gracious enough to allow us to stay with them. And uh, pretty much slept on a couch at first and just started and went hard from day one. Um, I came in under a different model of more of a showing agent model to learn under one of our team members um, and learned extremely quickly. We, we worked together great. And then from there, transitioned into my own role um, and just go hard. I mean, that's that's all I can say now. I went a little too hard. Uh, probably didn't take a day off all the way up till July. And the only reason I took a day off in July is because I got pneumonia and got hospitalized. Yeah, that was bad. It was bad. You were out for almost a week. Yeah, that's a long yeah, time. Pretty much a week. Yeah. Um, and it, and I was sick a whole week prior to that and literally was like 70% oxygen when I got to the hospital and came from a closing. I was literally downtown doing the closing, <laughs> got to the fifth floor of a parking garage and could not breathe at all. Um, and got it under control and called the office and said, Hey, I'm dropping my closing documents off and I'm going to the hospital. And I dropped them off and I went to the hospital and that's the last thing I remember for almost a week. And so then I changed the game a little bit. I've got to where now, um, Sundays is my day. That's my day for my family. That's my day to catch up for all the things I didn't take care of during the week. And Monday through Saturday is my clients. That's, uh, I'm here for you guys because you guys allow me to do what I can for my family. So, um, went from there and just started rocking and, and trying to treat people the best I could and let them share that with uh, their friends and family. And I think it's finally starting to, to pay off and, and resonate. So yeah, you mostly deal with the buy side, although you're starting to get into listings yep. now, right? Yep. So Transition. how long did it take you to get your first deal under contract? Um, and that would be signing what we call a BC in the business folks. Correct. Yeah. So, um, it was about March that I went on my own. Um, and I think that within the first couple of days I had a BC signed and, uh, had a, a deal within about a week or so, a purchase agreement signed. 
and just literally went from there. Um, I had like four deals that I split with the guy that I learned under so he I could um, ask him questions as I was going through the process. And then from that fourth deal on, I was just on my own. But I had that all within a, within a month. I had five deals. And I've pretty much stayed right around there um, where I at least have, you know, five deals in the books working every month and uh, hopefully to increase that even more. Yeah. Now you look like you're going to have an excellent month. How many deals is that approximately? Um, so this this month I'll have um, eight deals, seven deals closing. I'm sorry. Damn. Um, all for some. Uh, Good job, dude. Nice Thanks, sir. Yeah. Thanks, that, sir. That hard was, work pays great. off, right? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, and uh, something they talked about in. Uh, that I was proud of, and I think it, it just resonates from my life of never giving up. Is I literally had five deals last month, and all five deals fell through. Yeah, that happens sometimes, man. And I saved them all except for one. But within a week, I had her in another home, um, had the deal accepted and signed, and we moved forward. And the rest of them, I was through negotiation. I was able to save. And that guy that I said earlier was going to come give me a hug is him and his wife. Literally gave up on the home. They didn't think they were going to be able to have it. Um, we had a delay and something that was out of everybody's hands. It had to do with court and the sellers weren't having it. We were out of contract and everything. And I was like, listen, just work with us. We have this deal done. We just need this. And I was finally able to convince them to work with us and they got the house. And I mean, my clients were ecstatic. Was, well, you didn't uh, give up on the deal. This is something that, uh, let's talk about this a little yep. bit. It seems like a lot. Oh, it's not going to work out. I guess I'll just move on. Right. Like you were talking about like yep. the guy who stole your, your client. You spent all this time on the phone, building rapport, calling him back, you yeah, booked an appointment. And walked away, but that yeah. Wasn't happening, yeah. Know? Fuck that. You were giving up on that thing, <laughs> no, right? Not at all. So not at all. you have five deals die, which, by the way, that also means like zero commission. So not only are, are your clients not going to be, nobody's getting what they're wanting. You got to go back and tell everybody that's not fun. It also oh. means could potentially be a goose egg, right? 100%. And you just say, fuck that. I'm just going to turn it. You're not going to give up on these things, No, right? no, I didn't have a choice. I paid some bills, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I was like, no, and I will do everything I can, whether that means sending you to a different banker. Um, yeah, what did you have to do to, to resurrect these things back to life so, without getting into too much detail? No, right? no problem. Yeah. So one of them, I had two appraisals kill me. I had one fall 40,000 short and another fall 20,000 short. Shit, 40,000? That's real bad. Yep. So that deal ended up dying. We did everything we could. We fought it in every way, shape, and manner we could. Um, it, it finally fell through, and that's who I had her in a house within the next week. Um, so we were planning on hoping for the best planning for the worst. So I had some, I had her start looking at homes again and just planning for it, but we were still kept her busy, kept could. her thinking about the future Correct. while you're trying to save it. Correct. Cause people get overwhelmed by that. You go through the whole process and then it's done. You got to start all over and it's, yeah. it can be overwhelming. And that's why I don't let people like get excited, but don't be, a hundred percent into it until we're past appraisal period because inspection and appraisal are what it's going to come down to after we get past those two periods you're in the home stretch you know so so be happy but just realize there's always something that can come up and that's a big part of my my bcs is setting expectations for the process especially for new home buyers it's it's very overwhelming um so by setting those expectations, when I do have these downfalls, it's it's not as traumatic as it just being a hundred percent surprise to them. Like, how could this happen? And so she was great. We moved on, found another home, and everything's great. She we're closing here in just a couple weeks. Um, the second one with the twenty thousand, um, my clients were willing to come to the table with a certain dollar amount, and they had a certain amount of money they could work with, and they did everything they could to get as much money as they could. We couldn't make it happen with one bank. 
So I got a hold of another banker um, who's kind of my backup go-to guy, and he was able to close an FHA deal in eight days. And if anybody out there knows, that's crazy. That's fucking nuts. Because we give an average of 45 days for yeah. those. Now, we were past appraisal and everything, but he was able to cut his cost, and I gave up my money because, to me, it's about getting you into the home you love and, and showing you I really am here for you to do everything I can not to make the most money. So I gave up part of my money so they could get the home that they loved. And that's what was important to me. And that's hardcore right there. They loved it, you know. Yeah. And, and and the other three were just um again was one was the delay in the paperwork. We couldn't do anything about it. And it was it was just small things like that. But I mean once you, you have a contract and once you exceed those days, it's done. It is. You know, unless you can convince these people to continue to work with you. There needs to be a sense of urgency with this. So you must the other side must have not have had uh, or whatever it was, must not someone somewhere did not have a sense of urgency. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um so in little things like on that, um, the deal that fell twenty thousand short, I like to have my my buyers write a letter to the seller and just explain, tell a little bit about yourself, make this personal, and it has gotten me a lot of deals. Um, just where that's a we savage are, sales technique. Walk me through that, man. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of my buyers are first time home buyers, so I have them put together that that letter that this is the first home we're going to purchase. A lot of them are engaged or getting married or are married and we're starting a family, and it's like pour your heart out into this letter because this is a big purchase, and let them know that it's important to you. And as we know, most people love their home, and it's a sentimental thing. So knowing that somebody coming into the home is going to love it just as much as they are means something to them. And so in this deal, the sellers literally are like, we want to sell to your clients. And so everybody was willing Fuck to yeah. negotiate. But if we wouldn't have had that letter, nobody else writes those letters. It right? wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. No. And, and, and you hear them here and there. But if, if you guys out there aren't doing that, do it. Um, something I, I took from Ben Kenny. I love, he's a big Keller Williams guy is he has a great R and D department that's rip off and duplicate. And I believe in it. Hell if yeah. it works, do it. Don't Man, worry about somebody else thinking about it. I am not Steve jobs, but I can copy all his shit and I'll copy your shit and I'll copy everybody's that's shit. Right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Don't have no fear when it comes to no, that. Take no. everything you can from somebody else that's working and do it. Yeah. There's a lot smarter people than me and I don't, I just do their shit. Right. That's right. They, they thought about that. So real great. Grant Cardone says you make a decision to buy based on logic, but you close on emotion. 100%. We're rational creatures, right? You got to logic and reason will get them to the table. Yep. And then when you get to get to yes, you you do have to use emotion. So, yeah, you did all your homework up front and all that. And then you got this little letter. Yeah. That's By the way, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, we love your home. We're going to raise our kids here. We got this dog. We love your backyard. We're going to put a swing up on the tree. And. Obviously, it has to actually be true because otherwise, just like the other time you're talking about when you're making the promises, people see through that fake shit so easy. In a second. In yeah. a second. And I had another deal right here in Royal Oak that um, my clients wrote a letter. I had them write a letter to them. And the listing agent had had asked for information against the other offer on the table. And they didn't provide anything. Well, I just provided it up front because that's what we do. And they took a picture of their cat and included it in it. Well, just so happened that the people selling the home were cat people. Oh man, that's so good. It was done. It was a yeah. done. It was done literally deal. done deal. Literally, <laughs> the listing agent said the letter is what got you the home. We were four thousand under the other offer, and we got the home. Yeah. See, it's not always about money either. A lot of people think it's always even on the investor side. It's about money. It's about better. No, it's no, not always it's about, about motivation. money. Yeah. Got to 
Damn. That's it. You got to figure out why, right? That's it. That's the, the why. And they wanted somebody to buy the home that was going to love it the way they did. And that's what was important. Of course it's important, right? As soon as you say it, I would do the same thing. Yeah. When I know somebody sent me a picture of a dog and they were a farmer, they would totally go to the top. It's like I'm working with that guy. Yeah. You know, that's Just right to the top. And and that's it. Put yourself in their shoes. And I think that's something um, with my background I've been very good at in my life is to uh, look at it from the other side of the tracks and realize how somebody else feels about it. And I think that's why I can also have a win-win in my negotiations because I look at it from our angle, but I look at it from their angle and what is a win for everybody? How can we make this happen? Dude, that's fucking awesome. It's something I want to do, and it's a little technical, so if you don't want to do it, of course don't not. do it. But for everybody, there's there's a fair number of agents who listen, and they handle the buy side. I don't do buy side, um, at least not on single-family homes. If I know you, I will, because then I know you already like me, but my skill set is really not... I am not just in it, and I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> I am Jeremy. I have my own skill set. But because you talk about setting the expectations for the buyers to come in getting them to sign a BC, all that, and how important it is to do all that stuff. Could you walk us through how you get somebody to show up, set an appointment, sign a BC, walk them through the expectations so they could be more successful and you're not showing them? Because obviously you don't want to show them 800 homes or even 80 homes, right? Nope. Do you mind walking us through that process? Not. I don't mind a bit. All right. So the first thing is is that initial phone call. Um, is once you are to the point of ready to sit down and meet, whether they're calling in off of a sign or it's a referral or whatever it is, um, sell your value, have value and believe in yourself. And if these people don't want to live up to the things that you've set as a standard for you, then move on to the next person. Give me an example of that. Um, I just, I had a, a person call in off of a sign. They actually, Bruno, one of our, our coworkers when he was selling his house, and he wanted to go look at the house. And it's like, hey, are you pre-approved? Da, da, da. Nothing. No pre-approval. Hadn't done anything. And I was like, well, in this market, most people are not going to allow you in the home without a pre-approval. There's so many buyers out there going through these houses and putting offers in. They only want people that are serious to go through these homes. And the guy was just like, well, I'm, I'll, I'll do it if I want to make an offer. And so it just basically came down to, I said, well, sir, I was like, well, then you probably need to get another agent and have them set up a showing and they can bring you through the home. But I don't know if he'll still allow you to take a look at it if you're not pre-approved. And that was where we left off. Texted Joe and let Joe know that um, I was rude for not showing him the house and and set those expectations. Calls me back about two hours later and says, hey, I'm pre-approved. Can we take a look at this? <laughs> <laughs> so I stood my ground. Well, you're helping him out, too, because you're absolutely right. For those who are listening, if you don't know, Ferndale, Michigan right now, at least parts of Ferndale, Michigan. I'm talking sizzling hot. Sizzling. Bruno's house, to your and point. And the house that we were speaking of. Went over how went much? 30000 above. With an appraisal guarantee. With, uh, with an appraisal guarantee. Fuck yeah. And it had 17, no, it had 25 showings the first day with 10 offers. Yeah. So why would you let somebody come through the house without well, You're not doing them any favor by well, doing or that, yourself. Right? You're yeah. wasting your time. Know your dollar amount. Know what you are worth so that when you're spending time with people, does this make sense for me to be doing this right now and be okay with that? And I think as new agents, you're scared to give yes. up any business. Yes. And, I, and I was too. You know, I, I didn't want to give up money but then i was burned and i realized that all i am giving up money by wasting my time and so i I set a precedent and so to get back into that i'll get on the phone with them and say 
you know, I'm, I'm super excited to work with you and meet you. But the first thing I want to do is I want to sit down and introduce myself to you and you introduce yourself to me. And I want to make sure that we're a good fit to work together. And I want to make sure you like me and I like you. The next thing I want to do is I want to set some expectations and go over the whole process of the home buying or selling, depending on what we're doing. So in this case, buying. So I want to set the, the precedent of how this whole process is going to go. I'm going to go through all of the documents with you, and then when we're all done, I'm going to build a portal for you. I'm going to take all the criteria that you're looking for in a home, build a portal so that it emails you out anything currently on the market with that criteria, and as new things come onto the market, it's going to immediately send it to you that fits that criteria. And that's how that first conversation goes. And, and right after it, I'll say, so my first question to you is, what is your availability over the next couple of days where we can sit down in my office and meet? 99% of the time, the people just go with it, and, and it's 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 in your delivery. If you sound like you're asking if it's okay, then they're probably going to say no a lot of the times, or they'll feel that weakness. Have but if you just assume right? it, you yeah. tell them. Assume, assume the, the clothes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Always assume. And that's how I talk is I just assume you're going to do this because I know it's in your best interest, and I believe in it. So let's sit down and talk about it. And if ultimately they just don't want to sit down, then I just don't want to work with them. You well, know, yeah, how can you do anything if you yeah, if you can't well, get the Well, and there's, a mil- there's safety. I mean, um, for regardless of male or female, you, you need to sit down and find out who you're working with for. Don't go show up to a, a vacant home with somebody you don't know. You just you just don't know what could happen there. Um, two is you don't know if you want to work with this person or not. So I would rather have you come to my office where I'm at anyway working, sit down with me and let's take 20 or 30 minutes. That's all I need. And let's go over this and see if we're a right fit for each other. Test of motivation too, right? If they're not willing to do that, then that's it. And this market, are you pre-approved? No, let's get you pre-approved. Yeah. You know, um, do you have the criteria? How long have you been, you know, get, get the why behind the situation because if it's like, well, I just saw it and just thought it was the cool looking house and, yeah, you might want to call the agent and get them to set that up. But if you want to get pre-approved and you want to go over and look at some more homes, let's sit down and get together. You know, so so that's how the process goes from there. Then um, I'll set the appointment. We'll they'll have them come on in, and I have a whole uh, presentation packet. I'm going to go over all of the documents, even the purchase agreement, which we don't even see until we're going to put an offer in on the house, down to a list of inspectors that we work with. Um, everything, everything that we could possibly sign or touch, I go over with them, home warranty, all of it. And so I just go through the key points and set things um, and and describe what they mean and make sure they don't have any questions. That way, too, later on in the process, when you're sending that PA over, they've already seen it. I give them a hard copy to take take home, but we do everything digitally. And that way they can review it and they know and, they're, and there's just less questions later on down the road for them. So we can address anything new that comes up. Man, uncertainty kills deals. You need to educate and oh let people boy. know what's going to happen and what to expect so they don't freak out, right? That, that's it. And, and remember, if people, this is the biggest purchase they're going to make. So people are freaked out about it. And the more expectations you set, the better it goes. And I just had some clients recently, and I hear it all the time, is when I was done with that BC, they were just like, oh my God, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to think. And I feel so much better about this process now because they understand it. And I, I think just not knowing is the biggest fear. Of everybody, yeah. no, they, they, people hate not knowing. I don't like not knowing. Nope. And, and then the people that 
have experience in real estate, they've bought a home or owned a home or selling a home. Me, I still do the same process with them. And and I get it all the time. We're like, I love this. I've never had a real estate agent do this with me before. You know, but you may sit down with that person and decide, I don't want to work with this person, you know, and and be okay with it. Part as friends, you know. Say, guys, I don't think I'm gonna be the right fit for you because I want to meet and exceed your expectations. And if I don't feel like I can do that, then I don't think I'm the best fit for it. Yeah. Walk me through that. Cause that's a hard thing to do, right? Cause if there's a personality conflict or they're not serious or they're not motivated for whatever reason you have, it's kind of like breaking up, right? You gotta, yeah, exactly. You got to exactly. break up with them. How do you break up with them? Um, you be blunt. I mean, it's, it's not fun. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Just be honest with them, but you don't, you don't have to insult them. It's just that guys, I don't think I can do the best job for you. Put it on you. I don't think I can do what That's I want to do. It's for me, you. not you. It, it, it's me, not you. <laughs> it's That's me, right. not you. And it's actually true though. It's not some bullshit. It, it, it is because if, even if they're the problem, you still can't meet and exceed their expectations. So why do you want to continue with that process? You know, just, uh, be honest with them and upfront and move on to the next, the next job, you know, simple as that. All right. Now, what do you do after you get them to sign? So they sign the BC, right? And then we are talking before. You can go ahead and cough if you want to. It's fine. It's a podcast, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Um, so People will, will test you, right? Oh, yeah. You set the expectation, all that stuff, and then the so, jackals. Um, and, and back in, in that, too, I'll set expectations for you know, usually it takes us 24 hours to get you in. So I ask my clients to send me the MLS numbers or the addresses they want to go see and give me the next three days of availability. I set the expectation that Sunday is my day. And that's, that's when I'm spending that time with my family. Um, I set the expectations of how we're going to go look out and how we're going to make an offer. So my goal is within five to 10 homes is we are making an offer. I don't want to take you to 50 homes. And what you'll learn is that in no matter what area you're looking at, there's really only a few different styles of home. You'll see that most builders came in in different eras and they built these very, very similar homes. They may have flipped the layout or something like that. So really you've seen all the layouts, then it becomes a level of upgrade and what fits your budget. So you don't need to see 50 homes because they're pretty much five of them are going to be everything you could see. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause they're not that many different, no, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you got ranches and bungalows and colonials, but usually they're all pocketed in an area. This area is colonials. This area is ranches, you know? So there's, there's not much to, uh, look at that's going to be different. And then it just is whatever your level of upgrade is you're looking for. Um, so I'll, I'll set that expectation so that. In these five to 10 homes, we're going to go look at it. So I tell them even on the phone conversation is I want to be very, very intentional up front with this meeting and what we do so that when I send you these properties and you want to go look at them on paper, it's everything you want it to be. And as long as it lives up to that in person, we're making an offer. That That's a day. good point. Yeah, because if you take the time to look at it and it meets those, yep. why not make an offer? Right, right. So when I get those, well, there's only one picture, but it's a great price. I just want to go take a look at it. No, you know, like there's a reason why there's one picture. Right. It's not good. That's it. That's <laughs> it. You know, and, and there, there's a reason behind that. But it's just like if you just want to go look at it, let's just go look at something, you know, you want to buy, you know, and uh, but if you do that up front, you don't get in those uncomfortable conversations later. And and I, I learned the hard way. You know, I, I had a, a couple that I took out 60, 70 times. And uh, that's craziness. That is crazy, you know? man. And so I literally. That's like sunk cost. How would you get down the road that far, man? You went left and instead you're going right and like, shit, I'm lost. I'm in the sticks. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. And you know what? I, I, I came to the team and I said, 
this is where I'm at. I'm not sure what to do. And the team said, sit them down, say in the next five homes, we're going to make an offer. And I told my clients this and they did not like that. They said, we don't want to be pushed into a deal. I was like, guys, I've showed you 70 homes. I'm not pushing you into anything, (laughs) you know? And so they took three weeks off. They came back. We had the conversation again, went and looked at five homes. First home, they put an offer in and they got, you know, so it was having that hard talk and setting that expectation made it happen because what it caused them to do was be more intentional on their end was making sure that they're driving the neighborhood. That's something I always say is I can't pick the neighborhood for you. You know, like I can give you my opinion, but it's got to be it's got to be nice to you. It's got to be something you want. So if you drive down the road and don't want to live there, why are we going to look at a house in that neighborhood? Um, and finding out little things from car insurance. People don't think about that. But if you live south of 696, your car insurance is going to be more expensive than yeah, if you absolutely. live north. Yeah. I've had a deal die off of that. Um, so I had them be intentional. And it was actually these this couple. I had them be intentional on their end. So the only houses we were going to look at, they literally wanted to put an offer in on them. And as long as they lived up to that, we were putting an offer. And that's what happened. And so that's what I've forever done since then. Is five to ten houses. Let's be intentional right now so we can get you into it. Absolutely, man. That's a, that's a good point. How many? I wonder how many agents are being run around 15, 25 houses when they just had a system of setting some expectations, really narrowing it and down. valuing themselves. Well, yeah, and, and their clients' time, too. Yep. I mean, I know this is from a sales perspective, but you're not doing your clients any favor by wasting their fucking time. How much no. longer are you going to live? Who? I want to know who said, you know what? I found the perfect home, but I wish I would have looked at more before I found the perfect home. Nobody. No, no. And and people have a fear of, well, there might be something better. There might be something better. But because we've set criteria, if if this home is an 8 to a 10 to you, I mean, you need to make an offer on it. And if anybody's familiar with the market right now, at least where we're at, our famous line right now is you sleep on it tonight, you are not going to sleep in it tomorrow. Hell yeah. And it's the truth. And pockets of Metro Detroit, large pockets of Metro Detroit, multiple offer situations, significant appreciation, way more buyers than sellers need to be competitive, need to act fast, need to be, as you keep it, intentional and know what you're doing, know what you want. So when you see it, You take advantage of the opportunity. I've literally been in 21 offer situations on homes. That's crazy, and man. And we got it. And you got it. <laughs> yeah. Like a boss. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, and, and that's doing, I'm going to do my due diligence. I want you to do yours. Because if this transaction is important to me, you're the one buying it. It's the biggest transaction you're ever going to make. So you need to be doing your homework too, you know, if it's important to you. And what do you say not, to people who's like, I don't want to go drive it. Let's go. Th- I'll drive. I'll take a look at it when I go drive it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What like, do you say when what do they when they say that? It's I mean it's like that's not that's not how this works, you know? It's like it, go take a look at it, drive by it if it makes sense to you. Let's go take a look at it. And and as you learn the market, you learn the neighborhoods, you know if somebody's looking like in Northville, they don't really got to go drive the neighborhood, you know? But if they're in an area that's going to be a little more questionable, it's like guys just just check it out because once they drive that neighborhood once, any house that pops up there, they know it's a no go or it's a yes. Let's get in here, you know. Then I'll be more intentional, you know. And that's what they'll see is as I move through the process, though, I get more and more and more and more intentional. Because if we go look at these houses and you're giving me no's, why is it a no? Why is it a yes? And that's something important, guys. Is ask your clients. A no is just as important as a yes. More is, important in some yeah, ways, right? You need right? to eliminate the junk that has those no's involved. And I'll tell people that it's like, hey guys, you didn't like this house because it had this, this, and this, and now you want to go see another one that looks like that. Are you sure you're okay with that? Oh no, I'm glad you pointed that out. No, I'm not. Boom. Great. Let's knock yep. it off. You know, that's a good way to put it too. Simple as that. 
I mean, it's and, – and honestly, I don't run into a lot of the other headaches because I address everything up front. I don't have to deal with all that other stuff or those uncomfortable conversations anymore because I'm talking about it up front, and, and that's just the expectation. They don't think of anything else. So what about the agent out there who maybe they tried an attempt, they got in 50, 60 homes, and like you, you went back to the team, you figured out a way, and it worked – but what if you sign someone and then you figure it out either it's, it's almost always your fault, but let's say mm-hmm. it's not going well and you can't get them back. How do you fire them? Right. Cause you do have to fire clients, right? You got to fire yeah. everybody, right? You do. Um, and so it's, again, it's just going to be a tough conversation, you know, but you do it over the phone, you do it in person or how do you, how do you, uh, do I guess it depends on the, it, it, that depends on the situation of, of who and what is going on. Um, but it basically comes down to the facts as guys is we've gone and seen 70 homes in this case. And, you know, I'm obviously not doing my job of helping you find the home that you want. So I just don't think this is a relationship that's working. And I think the best thing for us to do is part as friends now before we part as you know, enemies or whatever you want to say later, because that's not what you wanted to get it to. We all know in sales that if you do a good job for somebody, they're going to tell three people. You do a bad job, they're going to tell 10 people. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so why don't you nip that in the bud before you get to that point? You know, admit your failure and move on because you're not the right fit for everybody. And uh, if, if you're in sales, you have to realize that deals fall off. Things aren't going to work out. Have tough skin and move to the next one. Don't dwell on the deal that didn't work. Figure out what you did wrong. Change it, fix it, and move on to the next one. Simple as that. Boom. Can't live in the past. No, you can't. Let's talk about prospecting. What do you do prospecting to try and find clients, get deals? There's agents listening go, okay, yeah, I need to get buyers. I need to get sellers. Everything so. and anything, guys. Um, so if you don't look at every single person you speak or come into contact with as a prospect, you're crazy. And that's part of your issue right there. Um, little, little things from do you have a gas station or coffee shop you go to every single day? Start working those people. Think of how many people come through there and talk to those people. Call them by their first name. Make a friend out of them and give them your card and take care of them if they send people your way. You know, little things like that. You can build a nice little referral basis off of something just like that. Um, Two is just get out there and do it. You know, do all the things that everybody talks about from door knocking to open houses to cold calling and find your niche. Find out what you're good at and go hard and stick to it. Because what I do might not work for you, but you got to try it before you know that. You know, and in everything, you're going to get better with practice and time. So, phones i'm big on the phones um we call a lot just this week we started something called the bold 6000 yeah talk about that explain that because it, it's so, actually pretty exciting there's a lot of energy in the room it's yeah. amazing yeah. um it, it is definitely changed the atmosphere for the better in the office um in, in our dealer group office um so what it is is we want to make a thousand contacts over four weeks so that means actually that's having a thousand crazy. real estate conversations that's yeah. not just hey how you doing um, so on Mondays we have to make a hundred contacts this Monday. I went from eight 30 to two o'clock, uh, to hit my hundred. That's hardcore 400 that they're four hours. That's so, that's so long. Seven hundred yeah. and like 35 calls. Or were you circle like prospect or what were you doing? I Call was it. circle dialing. So yeah. I picked a neighborhood that I wanted to prospect and that's important to me. And I just started banging the phones and, uh, and you can use mojo or it's mojo sales.com or Vulcan. I can't remember or, Vulcan. Yep, Vulcan website. Is, I'm not, I'm not sure what their website. You buy a list. You too. type in Vulcan uh, dialer. It'll come right up for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you buy a list, however you want to buy it, you yep. know, for a neighborhood and we you can buy Cole it. Right? Realty. There you go. Uh, sign up for Cole Realty. And then you basically put in a zip code. You can put in an address. 
do it based off a radius and you start, start dialing and get ready for some tough skin. Um, but again, just like the, the whole thing is if you can make somebody laugh, it changes the whole conversation. You got a script and, uh, depends on what you want to talk about. So right now my big script is, um, calling around. I'll just say, Hey, this is Justin with the dealer group, Keller Williams Realty. And I have some clients looking to purchase in your neighborhood and we just can't seem to find what they're looking for. So I'm trying to be proactive for my clients and call around and see, are you interested in selling your home? I'm going to, they're going to carry me out feet first, Justin. Great. Can I have the number to your heirs? <laughs> <laughs> That's hardcore right there. And I actually said that today. Yeah. And the lady loved it. She <laughs> thought it was hilarious. You know, that's, that's a bold close. It, it, it is. It's all it's, it, you know, but you make them laugh and, and you have to laugh at those. The the negative, if you can turn it into a positive is that's a game changer, you know, and uh, be funny. Don't be afraid to because uh, also look at it like, guys, I'm never going to talk to this person again. If it's not a yes, if it's not somebody that works with me, don't sweat it. Move on to the next phone call. And um like the car business where it was like every every call, everything mattered in the real estate business, look for the low-hanging fruit and the people that are down the line, nurture them and follow up with them. And it's it's pretty simple. It's just it's scary um, making that initial phone call for a lot of people, even veterans. Making that first phone call is like the hardest part. But once you get rolling, it is it is what it is. You Explain know? what a nurture is to people listening. Okay, so a nurture to us is anybody within two years that is going to buy or sell a home. And uh, so in that two years, we develop what we call drip plans on how are we going to follow up with this person and stay first of mind. So I think it's 85% of people work with the first realtor they interview and, and then the rest only meet two people, two Damn. realtors. Yeah, that's you, so do you a lot not easier want to be, to be the first, first realtor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be, be that person that's in front of mind. So when they get ready to do something, oh, Justin's a realtor. Let me call him or remember that guy, Justin, he calls us every once in a while and bothers us. Let's give him a call, you know, um, because they don't, I mean, most people, if you haven't done a real estate transaction, name a realtor. You can't. You know, you don't know. So you're going to ask somebody. Um, so if you're getting out there in the public and you're being the front of, in the front of their mind, that's the key because one day they're going to do something. So you just want to make sure you're there for that day. Yeah. That's one of the ways where, um, being an agent is really different. I mean, you're dealing with people who are, who make good decisions, who plan the future. It takes a minute to get in front of that business, right? They might already have someone. You have to interrupt a relationship. You got to wait for an opportunity. Uh, the, you, you, when you start there, there's already a lag time uh, where you got to get in front of them and all that. So nurture and, and these trip plans he's talking about, it's a lot of follow up. It's just trying to get people at the top and follow up with them and be first and top of mind until they say yes. That, that's it. And, and then also like door knocking. So, um, get really, really specific on an area that you want to work and start making yourself putting yourself in front of everybody, whether that's door knocking, just introducing yourself as a, a local agent, you know, or have, have a reasoning behind that, that door knock just listed this house down here. Just want to let the neighborhood know, you know, or just sold this house. just want to let the neighborhood know. And don't worry about the no's worry about the yeses and find out how you can get more information out of them. You know, don't worry about pushing the person that says no to you worry about getting the motivation of the person that says yes to you or even gives you an inclination that they might do something, you know, and, and just play it, play it by ear. you learn your script. And as you educate and, and do this business, you're going to know where to take the conversation, you know, but you can't do it until you start having experience. So let's, um, we got some objections. Okay. 
from the internet. In fact, I'm going to pull it up real quick because I can't remember. Can you remember? Did you write them down? I, I remember the first one was... Um, Talking to the mic. Talking to the mic. The, the first one was, yeah. I just can't sell at that price. Oh, that's right. That's a good one. So that's Mr. David Tupin. Thank you for that. Um, I just can't sell at that price. So he is a an investor, and he's trying to... I just did a deal with him, actually. He's trying to put property under contract below market value and then flip the contract called an assignment right so an objection we get oftentimes on the phone and i like putting Justin on the spot because you got some creative shit folks too <laughs> yeah to talk to you a little bit about Fly that by the seat of my yeah i just I, I think the car salesman thing just prepares you it's like it does it's like, the, it's like an army boot camp training for sales you hear every fucking stupid thing in the world every single yeah. thing and in and, and actually my answer to this uh you can use in any sales that you do is well why is that and guys, that is the greatest question you can ever ask. Pretty much any objection that you get, you can counter it by, well, why is that? Well, it's too low, Justin. Well, why is that? <laughs> well, it's a good market. I was hoping to get more. Well, I understand that, but why is that? Why do you think you can get more? Man, I, I really need the money to move to Nevada. And and what's bringing you to Nevada? Uh, baby mama. Keep awesome. it real. <laughs> so does you got a kid on the way or just going to be closer? Yeah, I got to move to be closer. But I got to get more money, man. I can't take that. So so uh, when's your time frame that you got to be in Nevada? Man, I, you know, soon, as soon as possible. Soon as possible. So I can make that happen right now with this offer that I'm giving you, and we can get you over in Nevada. Yeah, I might be able to get a better offer, though, Justin. So now, now let me ask you, and you, and you, you may be right, but what happens if you don't get that offer and we're two months down the line? Mm, that's a savage move right there. Or I like to say, what are you going to do if it doesn't sell? That's it. And that's and that's basically the idea. So you got money right now that I'm willing to offer you for this place. You can take this. We can get you into Nevada two months ahead of time with no worries. This is going to be the smoothest transaction you'll ever have. Or you can try to wait it out, maybe not sell, and I may have spent my money somewhere else by then. I like that. I may have spent my money somewhere else by then. I do that. I do something similar. So that's why I like talking to you, man. I get like another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. That's yeah. brainstorming. And yeah. if you're not talking to your sales buddies, do it. Hash these things out because I love, even if I'm wrong or it's not the best idea, something somebody else says will spark something in me. And I love. Because how do you, it, it, there's. There's all these call to actions that people see through, right? So I just say the truth. Like, look, I'm always going to be interested in your house, whether it's today or two months or two years from now, but I don't have unlimited funds. I may not have the money and I'm looking at several other houses today. Why don't we just do this right now? Or Get it what over if the with. market changes for the negative? Yeah. What if it, what if it goes down for you? Are you prepared to take less than what I'm offering to you? I like that. Are you prepared you know. to take less? <laughs> Maybe. Good. I'll offer less. Yeah, yeah, we can do that right now, you know. I'll, I'll increase you $1, whatever you give me. Do you remember what the other um, Mr. Um, David? It was that it's it's being taken care of, but it really is not. Ah, I get this a lot. So okay. this is like... So give the, me an example, because that's a little vague. This time of the year, I'm actually in March. It's more uh, prevalent. So let's go. If it's March, it's going to be like tax auction, right? Or... 
you're cold calling or door knocking on people in foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And people lie about this stuff all the time. I mean, I see your house, you know, you bring up this objection. Well, I see you're actually, I see you're behind on taxes. And if you don't pay it in the next 30 days, you're going to lose your house to the tax auction or you're or you're going to lose your house to the bank. And they say, it's already been taken care of, but you know, it absolutely isn't. So you got them in a situation where you absolutely know they just lied to you about that, about their problem. Right. Yep. So that's what I think. At least I hope David, I hope that's what you mean. I think <laughs> and, that's what and you David, mean. You can write me on Facebook too, and uh, yeah. I can help you out if it's a, a little more direct or we're getting off. But so um, what I would say, I mean, this is where you're going to get a little blunt with them, you know? So if tax auction for, for example, um, is I'm interested in your house. Do you want to be the one that gets my money or do you want the courthouse to get my money? Damn. That's right there. Thank you. <laughs> We can do this right now and you right. get your money or we can do this in a month. Because I hope you get this taken care of and I hope you can stay here. But if you don't, I'm going to buy it at auction or I would love to just buy it from you. And maybe we can work this out and make it make sense for you. Let's yeah. sit down. Maybe we can work this out. Man, that's a that's a savage move. So you would say the same thing. Obviously, it's a pre-foreclosure. I'd rather you get the money than the bank. Right. I'm just going to buy it from the bank. Right. Who wants to know that the bank's getting their money and they're yeah. not? What time tomorrow between 3 and 5 can I come over and make yeah, a feral yeah. cash offer for your house? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I mean, that's because the why is there already in those in those situations. You know, this is um, this is the case. This is what's going on. Well, great. But like before, what if that does not happen? You know, because obviously you guys want to stay here, right? Well, yeah. Or if they say no, then why else? Why wouldn't you sell? You know. But if they do want to stay there, then I hope you do get to stay here. If this is the home you want to be in, I hope you get to stay here. But if that doesn't happen and you're not able to take care of this, what are you going to do? Get that why out of them. Get that motivation out of them. I would rather give you the money than the bank. I'm just going to buy this from a bank in 30 days. Yeah, I'd rather help you out than a corporation. Yeah. Dude, that's a savage. That's a savage. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. And 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 the key there, guys, is I listen to what people say and I repeat it back to them. Dude, you had a great one on the for sale by owner. We're going over the for sale by owner, and we're there's lots of them with the for sale by owner. And I'm just gonna um, kind of set the stage for it because I don't know if you remember exactly where. Why don't you just bring a buyer through and sell the house? And you, man, I never even saw this coming. I'm like, I absolutely love to do that. But if I bring a buyer through, I'm working for the buyer. At that point, I'm working for the buyer. Go ahead and give me that what? You yeah. You know, and that's exactly as I'd say, well, sir, I would love to do that. And I'd love to help get your home sold. But at that point in time, I'm going to be working for the buyer and I'm not going to be working for you. Would you rather hire me and have you work? Would you rather me work for you? Yeah. You know, and, and people are like, you know, I, you're just. You know, you guys are just keep bothering me and you're so persistent and da, 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 da. Well, sir, don't you want somebody that works for you to be as persistent as I am and to go for this as hard as I do? Or do you just want somebody to put a sign in your yard and hopefully they sell it? Boom. You know, uh, be, be blunt, be direct, you know, and, and, and it's, it's common sense. And I, what I think a lot of the times is we just freeze on the phone instead of just, you don't know what to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're just afraid of screwing the conversation up, but I mean, if they're going to hang up anyway, and it's going to be a no anyway, why do you have a fear of what you're going to say? Be be honest, be educated in what you're saying, be intelligent, but be direct. Say those things that you're scared to say sometimes, because usually those are the things that's going to get you the deal. Do you want to role play real quick? Sure, I love it. role play. Hey, yeah, let's that's rock. how I found that one, because I did a, when I first started the Delia group, I did a shit ton of cold calling, and I just 
got stumped all the time, yeah. especially coming from the investor world. Like, shit, I don't know what to say. So we role play here at the Daily Group, and if you're not role playing, I highly recommend it. So the I idea say, is mess up. Yes, okay to mess up, discuss it, fix it, learn from it. I'm not scared to mess up. You know, I got a running tally of justisms, that I, and that's what I call it. <laughs> I like them. Yeah, you should hashtag <laughs> justism. So, uh, and that's how I found this one. Is I just I just repeated all. I took like 25 conversations that were all bad, and I put it into one. So let's do this. So, cool. hi, is Jeremy speaking? Hey, Jeremy, this is Justin. How are you doing today? Uh, who are you? Justin with the dealer group, Keller Williams Realty. I'm a real estate agent. Oh, and I'm not interested in, and I'm not interested in what you have to offer, Justin. Oh, well, I'm not going to offer to sell you anything. I'm here to purchase something. Uh, okay. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not selling anything. So, no, I've got some clients looking to purchase in your area. You haven't been thinking about selling your home? Man, they're going to carry me out of this home feet first. That's awesome. Can I get your kids' names so I can get a hold of them when that happens? Oh, you think that's funny, Justin? <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I can hear you laughing. It's all good. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. So, no, no, no. In all seriousness, um, is it something you guys have considered is is maybe selling the home? You know, I retired. I love this home. I'm, I plan. I you know, I downsize. I plan on. Um, I plan on staying in this home. You know, and staying in this home until I die. So that's awesome. So, so let me change tracks real quick and just. Um, this is just hypothetical, but if you did sell and you could go anywhere you wanted to go, where would you go? I'm already where I want to be. Really not. You don't want to take any trips. You don't want to see anything. You just you don't have any hobbies or passions that might take you to somewhere else. No, I bought this house and it's right next to my grandkids, and I get to see them every day. And it's small, and I don't have to do a lot of stuff. I really like where I'm at. It's a great location, and as long as I'm near my family, I'm really happy. You know what? I can really. I'm a big family guy. That's all that matters to me in this world. So I can I can definitely definitely relate to that. So. Since you love the neighborhood so much, do you have any friends or family that are looking to move to the neighborhood? Well, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it. No, hmm. no, no. Go ahead. I'll give you a minute to think about it. Cool. <laughs> you know, not off the top of my head. No, no, no problem. Now, what about any friends or neighbors that are looking to sell in the neighborhood or, or you know, get a get rid of their home and upgrade? Maybe since you downgraded to that area. You know, I'm. I don't really know anybody. Uh, not not too many people uh, sell. I don't think. No, it's it's a it's a great area, and that's so you don't see a high turnover there, and that's why my clients are so interested in the neighborhood. Um, is it's hard to get get in there, but it's a great place to be once you are there. So I can appreciate you wanting to stay there. Um, well, let let me do this if you don't mind. Can I just get a little bit of information from you? Just an email. Um, I'll send you my contact info. That way, if you do think of somebody that may have any kind of real estate needs, feel free to pass my information along to them, and I'll follow up with you every once in a while. See how the family's doing, and see if anybody in the neighborhood's uh, looking to sell. How's that sound? Uh, you know, I don't I don't feel comfortable giving up my email. How about I give you my email? You know, I don't even really email Justin. No. How, no. about your, how about your kids? I think they do. They try to get me on that thing, but I can't I can't figure it out. Well, how about this then? I, I see here you're at 123 Main Street. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. How about I'm going to go old school and I'm going to drop you a, a piece of mail, have my business cards in it. It'll have some information from me, just just a little bit about me. And, and, and seriously, all I want you to do is if anybody gets a real estate need or if you have a real estate question or a friend does – uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to help. Not hey. uh, don't always just have to sell the house. But let me let me drop you drop you uh, a letter. I appreciate that. But I, but I also have an aunt in real estate, and she'd be really upset 
if I didn't refer the business to her, we're close. We go to the same church. I really, I really got to get, get, you know, I got, I got to give her the business, Justin. I'm sure you understand. Oh, I, I completely understand. I mean, family's everything, and we're all born with three things: a mother, a father, and somebody who works in real estate. So I, I completely get that. Uh, now, let me ask you: uh, you're you're at retirement age, and she's an aunt. Is she still really practicing full time? Well, you know, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I'm not sure. That's that that'd be important. I, I, I myself am not a part time real estate agent. So this is, this is how I take care of my family and provide for mine. I know you can appreciate that is how much you love your family. And so it, it's something that's very, very important to me that I'm taking care of my clients because they take care of my family. And so if your aunt is not practicing as much anymore, I would love to be that guy for you or your friends and family. And actually, I'd love to sit down with your aunt. Actually, what's her name? And maybe I can learn something from her since she's been in the business for so long. Yeah, you know, I'd be really uncomfortable, though, because if she found out we go to the same church and it just, you know, it'd, it'd be really weird and it put me in a really awkward situation. I'd love to help you out, but I just don't think I can, Justin. Oh, come on. I, I understand that, you know, and, and I get that. But honestly, now I'd, I'm intrigued about your aunt if she's been in the business this long. I want to learn. I'm always open to education. And uh, I if you don't want to refer to me and you want to refer to her, that's fine. But I'm always about building relationships. And so if it's even something as little as just being able to build a relationship with your aunt and somebody in the real estate field, I'm, I'm totally open to that. I'd love to just get a chance to meet her, at least reach out and, and introduce myself. And actually, I might know who she is. Yeah, she. Uh, I think she works for uh, Keller Williams. Oh, yeah. Great company. I, I know it very well. <laughs> I'm just fucking making this impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 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 the the idea is don't give up. And yeah. and if you notice, I was taking what you told me and fed it back to you. It's like, so you're retired, but your aunt's in real estate, huh? Because all I heard was bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, you know. And uh, so if they're not going to give it up, I'll I'll push it to a point. I like the old school. How about I just go? Yeah, just drop it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just I'll mail not, it to you. Yeah, yeah, and I'll probably end up knocking on your door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so. Hey, it's me, uh, Justin. That's it. That's it. But listen to the conversation and take what they give you and feed it back to them because you're going to make sense because they said it. What are they going to say? You're an idiot. Well, you're the one that said it, sir. I was just repeating it to you. Mm. My bad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like. uh what are you doing? What, what, what do you want me what to do? What are you doing? Call me at eight thirty in the morning, Justin. <laughs> My job, sir. So, anyways, you want to sell your house? And I've actually had that happen before. <laughs> Called somebody on a Sunday night. He's like, "What are you doing? Don't you know it's Sunday at six o'clock?" I'm like, "I do." And are you interested in selling your home? <laughs> I do. I acknowledge that it's Sunday at six thirty. Yeah. Wasn't happy, but it's, I got a good laugh out of it. And moved on to the next phone call. Yeah. Know? So, and you do move on to the next phone call, that's right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, you you push a little bit. So, so the idea there was to ask for the business. I couldn't get the business, so ask for a follow up. Couldn't get the follow up, so ask for a referral. You know, and those are the three things you should always be asking for in every single conversation, no matter how it goes. Um, is just ask to either get them, get your information to them, get their information, or get a referral out of them. And if you get a referral, ask for another one. Some people stop on the first one, but once your brain thinks about the first referral, a lot of people can think of a second one. So go for it. Don't be afraid. Man, that's good stuff. I, I appreciate that. I wish there was more people had more objections, but, uh, Turns out I might have a few for you. As you know, I'm on the investor side, so I get objections all the time. So I love learning about it. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna spitball here. So you know, I mostly wholesale. Yep. So I put property under contract below, um, as low as I can get it, right? Yep. And then I try and sell it to not not as much as I can get. Usually, usually people I like, know, and trust are gonna do what they say they're gonna do. Reliable. 
people, right? right? So I have to deal with objections all the time and I got to work through bullshit all the time trying to get to it, right? So the one we, we started with is one you get all the time. I can't possibly take um, an offer that low, but it comes in lots of different forms. So I'm going to throw a different few, okay. uh, a few at you. Well, I'm not just going to give it away, Justin. Great. And, and so let me, let me just ask you, where do you value the home at? Well, you know, uh, 55,000. And how'd you come to that number? Um, I, I saw my neighbor's house sold for that much. And, and is your neighbor's, had you been inside your neighbor's home? Uh, you no, know, no, I haven't. Okay. So there, there may be a, a difference in upgrades and, and levels there that could, you know, adjust that price. And so just let me let you know, I'm not throwing a price out of thin air to you. Um, I do my research and I base my numbers off of fact, not just an opinion that I think this is what I should pay for the place from you. So I have reasoning behind what I'm offering you and it's X, Y, and Z. I just, I can't possibly take a number that low. You, you investors just always trying to steal houses from old people. Well, no, no stealing here, but you, you hit the nail on the head. I am an investor and, and the idea behind investing is making money off of your investment. So, um, I, I am sorry, but I do want to make money off the deal that is important to me, but I feel that I'm offering you a, a fair, a fair market value for your home based on what I can do with it and what you can do it. Do you have plans on staying in the home? No, I really need to sell. Um, I need to move to Tennessee. So awesome. What's, uh, what's taking you to Tennessee? Yeah, it's, it's a long story. I don't, you know, that's, that's not really any of your business, Justin. So there's just no way, you know, I, I, I have to move and I have to sell and I'm just not going to let you steal my house from me. Okay. So I understand it's not any of my business and I apologize. I just have family from Tennessee. So that's why I brought that up. But the, uh, the idea is what is your time frame? to go to Tennessee. If you have to go, there's got to be a time frame. You need to be there. It, it, 30 days or less as soon as possible. Okay. And so, you know, um, the price you're asking for is, is more of a retail price. And, and you do realize that it's a minimum of 30 days for the whole transaction to be completed. And sometimes it's even longer than that. Then you're going to be renegotiating appraisals and inspections. Um, is this something that you can do and you're prepared to do? Well, yeah, I mean, I could. So, so if it was to go to sixty days or longer, no, I got, I got, I got. Because sell that's that's then. saying yeah. that you, if you're saying thirty days, that means you have to get an offer today to close in thirty. Yeah, days. I got to leave, and if I could leave sooner, I would. Well, you can leave sooner. Yeah, but there's just no, you, you know, you you guys call and you get your fancy, you know, your salesman, and you know, I just know I can get more for my house. And and I and you may be able to because it's it, that's a retail number you're looking for. The only thing is. To get more, it's going to take time. And if you don't have the time to do that, I'm ready right now to offer you cash on the spot. And we're going to close this in two weeks and you will be in Tennessee in 30 days. Well, I can't go that low. What's the best you can do? What's the lowest you can go? <laughs> I love that. What's the lowest you can go? Um, 50000 What's the lowest you can go? <laughs> Just put it right back. Is that really the best you could do? Right, right. Because, yeah. because again, guys, I'm I'm looking at this from a, or you're looking at this from a retail standpoint, and that's what I have to sell it for. So I've got to be able to get into this house and make the necessary improvements so that I can get, you know, get my money out of it and make a little bit. I'm not looking to get rich here. I'm not going to get all rich off of every deal. Um, I am going to have to put money in this home. You know, I am, and I know I am. So I just need to find that number that makes sense to you, but it also makes sense to me. So based off of the criteria that I've given you here, what's the lowest you can take on this home? 
Well, I, I owe 30 and um, I'd like to get at least 10. So if you could walk away without owing something on this property, would you do that? I, you know, I need money to move, Justin. There's just, I you don't have, I don't have enough money. To, I need the money to move too. So I, I got to rent a truck. I got to get a U-Haul. Um, you, you know, plus I think, you know, somebody will give me more money. So it, as long as it's within your time frame, right? Yeah, but you know, I get all these postcards in the mail. You know, I I called some of these other guys. So, well, if you're calling investors, they're going to offer you the same thing that I am. And so, how about this? I think five thousand dollars is more than enough money to move on, and you need thirty to pay it off. Let's call it thirty-five, and let's make a deal right now. Man, I just I just don't I don't think I can go that low, man. It's just you know it's it's too fast. It's just you know it's happening too fast. I'm not, you know I feel I. Just giving the house away. I don't feel comfortable with it. And and I understand. And the reason I'm moving fast is because of the time frame you gave me. Say, I, I'm I'm going to purchase a property. I'm an investor. That's what I do. I'm going to spend this money. It just comes down to, am I going to spend it with you or somebody else? You have a time frame. I can work within that time frame, and I've came up a little bit. So why don't you come down a little bit and work with me here? Let's make a deal. How fast can you close? Two weeks. <laughs> All right. When can you come over? I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> I like that, man. You didn't take any shit right there, did he? No. And by the way, folks, he has never done an investment deal in his life. Never. Either, I so. ask him questions about it all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> if he can do it just like that, there's no reason why you can't do it or you can't just lay down, you know? That's that's one of the ones we get all the time is I'm just, I'm just not going to give it away, you know? So so what would you sell it for? You know, and throw it back. And like, like I just said, well, what's the lowest you'll take for it? What's the lowest you'll take for it? Well, here's another one we get, too. We get this one, and you get this. I know you get this on the retail side where they overpaid for a property, and they put this happens all the time in Detroit. Man, this hood fabulous shit. They buy a house. Literally, I bought a house on – shit, I can't remember where it's at. It doesn't matter. I bought a house where they put more money in the kitchen than what the house was worth. Oh, my goodness. Cherry cabinets. They had like 40, 50 grand. In cherry cabinets. The problem was there wasn't a comp higher than $35,000 in the last two years in the whole neighborhood. So one of the objections we get here as investors all the time is, well, I bought it for X and I put X into it, so I should be able to get out Y. So Why should you? Well, because I, I, I spent the money, Justin. I understand. And, and uh, is this an investor? No, you'd be talking to a homeowner. Okay, so, so this was just literally somebody bought it to live in it. Yeah, usually anyway. When okay, they so it. so were were you working with an agent at the time? I, you know, I, I you know I I just really liked the house and the wife wanted um you know cherry cabinets and you know I spent a lot of money on it. I want to get it back out of the house, Justin. And and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately, what we put into a home doesn't always return what we can sell it for. Now, I can understand living in it. It's okay to spend a little bit more money if you know you're staying there. Um, so my my next question, though, is are you paying a mortgage on this? Uh, yeah, I do. I do have a mortgage. So Okay, so I understand that in, in a sense, you're going to have a loss based off of the number I've presented to you, but is that loss not going to continue to grow as you don't sell it because you got to pay that mortgage every month. I, I see your point there, but you know, it's just, I just so many nice things in this house. I think it's worth way more than everybody else's house. Cause I have the nicest house I in the neighborhood. And, and what, and what do they want for it? Um, 
let's the let's neighborhood say, was thirty five. So yeah, let's say sixty. Okay, so sixty. So so what I want to ask you is if let's let's put yourself in the buyer's shoes um, because obviously I'm an investor, um, but you want a retail price for this home, which it's even exceeded the retail prices of the neighborhood. Um, is what you're asking for. So let's say a buyer that is can be approved for sixty thousand dollars is going to come through. Do you think they're going to buy in a neighborhood where the home is not no home is worth more than thirty five thousand, or do you think they're going to go to a neighborhood where they're probably worth a hundred thousand? Yeah, they'll love the house though, Justin, because it's all nice. It has marble uh, window sills. They got cherry cabinets. There's a jacuzzi bathtub in the basement, Justin. They're going to love it. People will spend more for things that they love. So I th- they will, but you got to realize that people that are going to spend money have to love the neighborhood, not just the home. And if they have a good real estate agent like they should, they're going to come in at a fair, accurate value. So even a real estate agent's going to come in here and offer you thirty five, forty thousand because regardless of the upgrades that you have, the home has to comp and it has to appraise. So I don't know if you know about mortgages, but a mortgage company is not going to lend more money than the home appraises for. So that appraiser is going to come in here and pull the same exact numbers I did. Now this person's going to have to bring Thirty or twenty-five thousand dollars to the table. Would you be willing to bring twenty-five thousand dollars cash on top of what the value of the home was to move into this home in this neighborhood? Well, yeah, some people will pay cash for the house if they really like it, Justin. They, I agree with you. They definitely will, but we're not seeing it in this neighborhood because obviously we would have the sales to reflect that. Mm, that's right there. Just go right for the kill. Yep. I like you. Why don't you just take the loss now and move forward? And that's the truth. Yeah, you got to talk to. Sometimes you got to talk to people's pocketbooks. You know, if 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 it's numbers, then talk to their money. And maybe they're thinking about how much I can make, but they're not thinking about how much am I losing. And sometimes we don't think about that. Mortgage is okay. Yeah, you bought this for thirty. You've spent twenty in upgrades, so they think, oh, I need fifty thousand. Well, they don't think about the thousand dollars they're putting into it every single month to pay the mortgage. You know, and the insurances, or to keep something up and fixing it, and you know, so on and whatever you can touch on, whatever you can get from them to to touch on and throw at them that you're not thinking about all these expenses. By the way, there was no pre practice beforehand, folks. This was all done live. On the so. fly. I didn't even know we were doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just went went right at it with them. So, all right. So this next section, um, it's kind of like a, a success section. You know, habits, routines, books movies, things that have really influenced you and help you overcome a lot of the obstacles and, and do the things today. Do you have any, what are some of the books, these things that you think have really helped out? Um, so one thing but off of that is look at other people's lives for motivation, guys. It's uh, There's always somebody's life that's worse than you, and that's something that I really use going through hard times in my life was people that I'm close to that I knew went through really bad things or hard points in their life that I felt were worse than what I was going through. I use that as motivation that, Hey, they got through it. I can get through it. So that that's the first, um, one is a great book I've read. It's, it's, uh, by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. It's the one thing. Um, it really talks about finding the most important thing in every aspect of life, whether it's your real estate, whether it's your family life, um, hobbies, whatever it is, find the one thing that's the most important. And by doing that one thing, it's going to make everything else fall into place. And man, does it simplify complicated lives? Because if you're a real estate agent or an investor, we are going every which way at every or human, of the day, right? Or human. Um, so it's just a great book to become focused in life and, and to simplify things um, and, and make life just a little bit easier and more enjoyable. So I, I definitely recommend the one thing. Um, great, great book. Um, 
daily habits. I try to study people that are successful and what I want to be successful at. Um, so whatever it is you're into, find the people that are the best at it and, and learn about them. Um, even in sports growing up, my, my dad would always say is find the best person at that sport that everybody else is intimidated by and go face them. Because as long as you play against the best every day, they're going to make you better than everybody else. And so that's how I look at it. So I study people in the real estate business. I study people that are financially successful and I try to take the things that they R and D rip off and duplicate, you know, and, and learn from them and apply it in my life. Um, so one of, for example, is I noticed that every successful agent around me gets up at five o'clock in the morning. The like ultra successful ones. So I, I get up at five o'clock in the morning every day and it has opened my eyes. One, I can actually go to bed earlier because things that I was staying up late to take care of, I can attack those things in the morning before the day gets started for everybody else. I'm getting in there and I'm taking care of those things. So one, it, it allows me to go to bed a little bit earlier. Um, two is you have completed so much work by 9 a.m. by getting up at 5 that it's crazy. Um, you can plan your whole day. You get all the little things out of the way, and you can handle important business from there. Um, so that's just an example of one of the things that um, I took from the people that I studied. And then it can be all the way up to financial habits or anything like that. But even the little things are important, and it's it's opened my eyes. Surround yourself with sharks. I started waking up at 4.30 I mean, fucking months ago. I think, I think like nine months ago, kind of hard at first. I'm used to it now. I just wake right up. Yep. Dude, you are so much more productive. You're so right. So you just get so much shit done that you couldn't get done before. And, it's amazing. And you look up and you're like, man, that's got to be like one, two o'clock in the afternoon and it's 9 a.m. Yeah. If you have a hard time doing something like that, folks, like if you want to start waking up earlier, focus on your why or like Justin was saying, your one thing. If you are not sufficiently motivated, you are not likely to change your behavior. So start with your motivation, then focus it on Find your behavior. Your why to yeah. Do it. yeah. And then the other thing is you don't do it incrementally. You know, you don't have to go from nothing to the top. Um, I did it by half hours. So I woke up a half hour early for a week. And then the next dude, that's fucking sneaky. That, that, yeah. that's awesome. I just went right four thirty. That shit was hard. It was, way. I bet it was awful. Oh, I yeah. wasn't doing that. I was, I was waking up like six, a half hour was six thirty, you know, cause most of us seven. wake up 30 minutes or within that 30 minute time frame before our alarm goes off anyway, you know, so having it set for that really didn't change anything in me too much. Um, and then I just incrementally went back until it was nothing. Damn. That's sneaky. I like that. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> secret weapon. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, little off subject. One of my favorite podcasts. Um, one of my passions is history. I love history. I love learning about history. And if you guys have never heard of Dan Carlin's hardcore history, love it. It is freaking amazing. Yeah. Like he is, and he's not a historian. He just loves history like I do. Um, and he just tells a great story and I'm a storyteller. I, I won't shut up. So I love to listen to him. Um, and the one I recommend you start with is the wrath of Khan and it's all about Genghis Khan and all of his heirs. And it is amazing. The wrath of Khan. Like, I haven't got to that one yet. Oh my good. He, man, he, that guy, you want to talk about production, dude? I, I don't, I don't know if he has people working for, I, I don't know. Dude puts out some shit though. He it's an impressive. You are not lying. Okay. And the and the Wrath of Khans, if you don't know about Genghis Khan, he gives such so many people look at Genghis Khan as he was a savage, but he was so intelligent 
that it was crazy. And, and he did the savage things he did because he knew it was, it would allow him not to be savage in the next town because the word would spread, you know? So you can take that in, in, in like we were talking about standing up to problem people. Well, people, you get that reputation that he's going to stand up for himself. He's not going to take it. They don't even try to mess with you. You know, that's an excellent um, point. And right? I, I try to take anything I can education wise and, and flip it back into my life. But uh, if you just want to hear a good story about history in, in here told not in a boring manner check him out he's awesome dude that's a good one do you listen to revolutions no dude this is all right i will send you it's revolutions you look it up on itunes just look up the podcast revolutions i can't remember the guy's name which is terrible i'm sorry (laughs) dude who does revolutions you're fucking awesome (laughs) and he tells stories like you tell stories but about different revolutions all over the world and it's just absolutely fascinating i think if you like hardcore history it's different though, so eh, it's it's very different, but it's just as detailed, and it's it's more like if you were doing history, you know, yeah, right, right. it's very conversational, right, right. And he throws in funny that, things though. like that, so uh, I really like that. So that's awesome. All right, I have one request for you though. What's up? Because you're so you are a great storyteller. Can you give me the best Delk family clan story appropriate? For uh, there, you told me some good ones, but not all of them could be on the podcast. <laughs> no, they cannot. <laughs> a long line of, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, creative, uh, creative delks in this world, getting things done one Man, way or another. Think I know I put you on the spot. No, too. no, no, you're 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 good. Give me give me a topic. Do you got a, a topic or something? Yeah, like I like, give me give me your great uh, give me a great hunting story or hiking or outdoor story with you and your 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 dad who is in avid avid outdoors yeah dad, my my dad in and to him it wasn't about being an outdoorsman it was about um surviving you know and so um one of my favorite stories um not even hunting um just to give you an example of my dad and about survival and um facing fears and just having willpower uh, we have 100 acres up in harbor beach michigan it's a family owned on my mom's side we're all part owners in the property and I love it. That was my escape from Detroit growing up. And um, I was about seven years old and it was about two, three o'clock in the morning. And we're up there camping and stuff. And my dad took me way out into the woods and uh, pitch black. I mean, it was it was dark, you know, and I'm a little kid. And, and I know these woods like the back of my hand, you know, and he took me way out there. And he said, OK, I want you to close your eyes for 30 seconds. So I closed my eyes for 30 seconds. And what it did is it allowed my eyes to adjust to the darkness so that I could see better. And he said, now I want you to walk back to the campsite by yourself. Go. And that was it. And I started walking through the woods. And, uh, you know, he it was a, a face your fear. It was... Um, you know, uh, overcome your fear and be aware of your surroundings. And it's something that went through my whole life with me that in panic situations, I'm very, I'm extremely calm. Now, after it's done and over with, that's when the adrenaline hits me. But in those moments, I, I think clearly I calmed down and I did. I, I, instead of getting scared, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I did. And I just started walking through the woods and, and found my way back to the campsite. No problem. And I'm sure he was somewhere around me. But to me, I was all alone in the middle of the woods at <laughs> seven, seven years, years old. old. And, uh, 
what a what a lesson that I still carry with me to this day. You know, is, that was uh, that was probably scary as shit. It was scary as shit. terrifying. Let, yeah. let me it's scary as shit. I mean, now I think. I mean, if you've ever jumped a turkey in the woods, oh, like, yeah. it sounds like a helicopter erupting from. Under if you've ever head. hunted. When it's dark, a squirrel sounds like a deer, you and a deer right sounds there. like a fucking dragon. Yep, or a doe bleat. If you've never heard a doe bleat, it is the weirdest sound. I'll never forget the first time I heard it. Yeah. I was like, what somebody's trying that? to start a chainsaw. <laughs> here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so and, and that's the thing is you have all those things running in your head, but um, my dad believed in me, so I believed in myself, and uh, I made it out of the woods. I survived. And to this day, I have no fear of the woods or, or anything. Um, you know, I, I face everything head on. And that's, um, I, I think it all started from that lesson right there was don't be afraid. Just go. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I want to thank my guest, Justin Delk, for his time today. And I would like you to encourage you to check out what he's working on. Justin at the Dealey group.com J U S T I N at the Dealey group.com. Hit him up on his cell phone, call or text two, four, eight, five, nine, five, four, one, nine, nine. If you're thinking about buying a single family home in Metro Detroit, first time, second time, third time, no matter what, he's a professional. He's cool. You're going to really like him. Reach out, let him know. And also thank him for getting on the podcast. Really appreciate him. And here we go again. I'm going to keep asking multiple times, folks. We got uh, not that long to do it. If you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, I need your help. So the deal that I'm striking with you guys is double the content, but we need to grow the podcast from about 700 weekly listeners to 5,000 weekly listeners. And here's how you do it. First thing you need to do is go on iTunes and subscribe and rate it. I don't care if you never listen on iTunes again. You listen on SoundCloud, whatever. I don't know why iTunes dominates this market for the time being, and this is how we advance the podcast up. So we got to play by the rules of the game, and these are the rules, and Apple sets the rules. So, And that's as clear as we can get. So subscribe and rate it. Then share it, folks. I don't care where you share it. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, is MySpace still a thing? Fucking put it everywhere, right? <laughs> share it with everybody. If you think, if you like the podcast, share it. If you don't, don't do any of this shit, all right, folks? Just move right on. So um, all of that. Give it a like, too, if you don't mind. Um, any, if you have any comments or suggestions or questions, reach out and let me know, too. If you think, if you know, if I'm doing something different, maybe I'm not asking a question you want me to ask. Or maybe there's somebody you want me to have on the podcast, you know? Send me an email, jeremy at renegadedetroit.com. Let me know. Let me reach out to these people. Let me see if I can't get them on the podcast for you guys. All right. That's something we need to do. Um, and for those who don't know, or maybe they're just tuning in for the first time, why am I doing this? Ask. I tallied up my first year. And for every hour of listening or any every hour of the podcast, there's about three hours of time backwards. So I added everything up. And I basically took a month off last year to produce content for you guys, which don't get me wrong. I like doing it. I wanted to do it. I do get benefit from this podcast, but I want you to imagine taking 30 days off work to work for free. That's not a hundred percent sustainable, right? The podcast is too big to quit on, but too small to move forward in the future. I completely thought that uh, at some point in time that I do it for a year and the podcast wouldn't go anywhere and nothing would happen. And kind of the opposite happens. So, but not enough, right? So we need to make it bigger. So for those, by the way, I know you've been doing it because in the last two weeks, we've grown the um, average weekly listener to about 150 people. 
that's significant. That's only going to happen because you guys are sharing it. And I do see you sharing it. And, I, and if I haven't, if I didn't say thank you and I missed it, I apologize. Thank you so much. And the reviews and ratings are coming in too. So for those who did, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, folks. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. Hit me up on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. Some other fucker beat me to it. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, you know it's coming. How long do you think you're going to live? How much longer are you going to tell yourself tomorrow? Why not now? Why not do something now? Why not take a page out of Justin's book and whatever your goal or your dream or whatever the opportunity right in front of you is now, why not do it? Why not take a step forward? Maybe you don't have anything. Maybe it's time to write down some goals. Let's be intentional about this life, right? Let me tell you what you're not going to do. Get to the end of this thing and wish you did less, wish you compromised more, wish you gave up on more dreams. Wish you settled for other shit. None of that. You're not going to do any of that fucking shit. Go do some shit. All right, folks. I mean it. Get off your ass and do some, some do some things. Pick some goals. Stick with it. Quit smoking. Stop being fat. Take charge of your financial future and your life. All right, folks. I really appreciate your attention. I know you could be doing lots of other things. And until I catch you on the next podcast, crush it.